Welcome everyone to Ruin Hammer Season 2, Episode 37. Yes, our Round 22 review of the Warriors' amazing victory over the Bulldogs at Morton Daly Stadium. How are you, mate? You going good? Good, mate. Yeah, yeah, doing very well. Um, crazy bit of world that we're living in at the moment. Uh, but, it? yeah, mate, um, 633 new cases down here today. Uh, 102,749 people uh, went in and had the, the test yesterday. Um, I was one of them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, so when you look at it that way, it's like 0.6 of a percent of the population that's getting tested are, are coming back with the positive results. But, you know, it's out there. It's in the community. Uh, it's hit New Zealand now. Uh, so Brad yes. the other night um, was saying how they're doing so well over there. But, I mean, you know, they've got one case and they've gone into lockdown. Um, yeah, mate, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I mean, as I said today, um, it's uh, one of those weird situations where, you know, you think you're doing it tough and then you look at what's going on in Afghanistan uh, with the Taliban taking over uh, the country over there. So, you know, for what we're going through, I really don't have anything to, to whinge about, mate. I've got my health. My family's all alive. Um, you know, I've got, oh, you got 11, 10 or 11 cases now in New Zealand. And that's what I mean. It just spreads that Damn, quickly. Right. Yeah, it's just like wildfire, um, isn't it? So contagious. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Delta yeah, variant. Yeah. How's, how's life where you can go outside, mate? What's going on? <laughs> <out there? laughs> man, I don't want to make you feel too bad. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, no. It's, it's good that we're returning, you know, somewhat back to, uh, I guess as normal as we could be at the moment, restrictions up here are, are further easing just in time for the big game on Sunday. So, um, you know, masks, masks are now only required in indoor scenarios where you can't socially distance. So, look, I mean, it's good for us, but obviously, I mean, you guys are, are struggling and our friends over in NZ and other parts of Australia as well. So, and all around the world. So, we're very, very lucky up in this neck of the woods, up in uh, God's country. Mate, I've done my part. I've had both jabs, so I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, yeah, I'm one of, one of two. Yep. I'm getting tested every every week uh, with a view to getting back to work. But our, our job site, our work, um, had a COVID case reported yesterday. Yeah. So um, they've shut down. Uh, everyone's had to go and get tested. And I'm not working at the moment because I'm – uh, I'm not a, a HR driver, so I, I'm not required. Uh, they're using the, all the drivers as offsiders and stuff. So uh, for me, you know, I'm just sitting at home and, and, and waiting. And I've been having these tests to try and get back to work, but I've just decided now now with the, the case that happened there, I'll just um, I'll just wait now for a couple of weeks. I mean, I, I don't like taking money off the government, but I think at the moment it's probably the, the safest and, and most um, sanest thing for me to do. Rather than put myself out there and yeah, catch it. fair enough. Yeah, T- TK said, Kia brothers, Rue should be in lockdown just to support the rest of us. <laughs> Small world, eh? I was talking to TK yesterday. TK actually grew up with um, with my uh, my cousins, uh, so he yeah, knows. Right. Yeah, he knows a, a group of my family that uh, that live in um, that live in Hamilton. Uh, if Mum's still watching. Knows uh, Uncle Lim and and, uh, um, and all the cousins from over there. Mom, so we have frozen up a little bit there. 
You're still there, mate. Um, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. Just breaking up a little bit. That's all right. Oh, I think I think Sorry, it's bro. I think it's more of those little uh, gremlins sneaking into our system. And speaking of uh, gremlins and technical difficulties, we sincerely oh, apologise yeah. for Saturday morning with the uh, previously planned live interview with Stacey Jones. Unfortunately, it all we had we had the great man on the line ready to go, and the technology just failed us as, as it always does. Probably the worst time in the world to have a few little glitches in the matrix there. But uh, luckily, we we're able to think on our feet and um still record that interview and get it to you um later on but yeah no we do apologize for you guys that were there ready yeah, to go at nine o'clock but what a fantastic yes. chat with the little general um yeah it was, mate it was great um as, as i was going to say it's been a pretty busy week um in ruin hammerland for us hasn't it mate we, we started off with that uh, chat saturday morning with steer and it was um yeah, a bit of a, a frantic uh, run around trying to get things working, and you know, um, we, you know, everything worked out in the end, and it was a real pinch yourself moment to kind of be oh, sitting yeah. there chatting with this this all time great of Warriors and, and Kiwis Rugby League, and then um, Sunday we we hosted uh, what's become a regular game day event for us, our, our live watch party, um, and we we're joined by you know our regular um, Jay Harris. And we're pleased to have Arpai from Hold the Ball join us for the live stream as well. Now, Hold the Ball is another of those great Warriors social media presenters. Um, and it was great to have his input and comments during the game. Check, uh, check so him out on, Arpai. yeah, thanks to Arpai. Check him out on YouTube and Instagram and across all the social media. He does some great, great videos on there. Got some good, great insight into all the matches and all the things happening in the NRL. So check yeah, him out. Yeah, and he's, he's a... He's a big follower of the Northern American Rugby League too, isn't he? He's, yeah, uh, that was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And a massive shout-out to Glenn Harris from the, the Warriors as well who streamed in live with um, the families of some of the players and, and some of the non-playing squad members uh, were there as well. Uh, we saw um, guys like Dave Fusatour and uh, DWZ and BMM uh, on screen for a little bit. Um, and, and thanks – to Glenn for making that happen uh, and for hanging around post game to answer some questions and have a chat. You know, we, we do really do appreciate, um, you know, the connection that we have with the Warriors. Yeah, yeah, very appreciative of that and for him uh, giving up his time. You know, he doesn't have to do that, but um, yeah, we, we certainly appreciate the extra level of insight and the, you know, the generosity that the club has extended to us. And look, I, I love the, I love the live chats. Like I really look forward to them. It's just such, it's such, it's so awesome to be able to watch it with like-minded um, supporters and it's the banter is awesome. I just love it. Yeah. And <laughs> we all, we all have the same reaction, particularly in close games. It's, it, it almost eases, <laughs> eases the pain a little bit of those frantic final 10 minutes. Cause let's face it. Even I last week's went, game. <laughs> I kind of went back and watched uh, the back end of that game, the, the watch party, and there's a period there where the, f the four of us on screen are just all <laughs> sitting there, not moving, and um, there's no, no words happening. So, yeah, riveting viewing for the viewers. There's, there's one word to describe it, tense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and then and then to cap off a busy couple of days for us, mate, we were honoured to be invited onto the standoff on um, – Monday night with Brad Inger and uh, Richie Sterling to celebrate their 50th episode. And for those that don't know, The Standoff is a New Zealand-based show, uh, very similar to our show, Ruin Hammer, uh, hosted by Brad and Richie, who are, again, two New Zealand-based 
Warriors fans, and, and it's great that our Warriors fan community of uh, social media shows such as ourselves and, and Brad and um, and Hold the Ball uh, are able to support each other and able to collaborate at different stages during the season. Mm. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Brad and Richie on their 50th. And if you want to catch their show and check it out, um, like and follow New Zealand Sports Radio on Facebook. Uh, they go live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, 8 p.m. New Zealand Time. Uh, and it's an hour and a half before we go live. So it's a great way to spend your Wednesday evenings with about three to four hours of uh, Warriors chat from both sides of the ditch. Yeah, exactly. Thoroughly enjoyed the the chat with the boys. Some good, Again, some good banter. Um, congratulations to them for the, their 50th show. And uh, I was surprised to learn that Brad Inger was a big fan of the Bush shirt. So I was thinking in honour of the 50th show, he should have raised his Bush shirt. <laughs> Mate, um, I watched their show tonight as I... I do. I, I spend uh, from six till seven uh, watching their show before I, I prep uh, stuff for our show, the half hour before we go live. And Bradman's wearing the Bush shirt tonight in the episode. Oh, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We were trying to get we were trying to get him to put it on that uh, on Monday night, weren't we? It was a quick quick wardrobe change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then um, finally, before we get into uh, you know the main gist of the show, uh, we just want to acknowledge. Um, James Maloney, who has announced his retirement from Rugby League at the end of mm. this Super League season. Uh, Jimmy played 249 NRL games, which included 75 games for our beloved Warriors. Uh, being a member of that uh, 2011 uh, grand final team. Uh, he did win two premierships during his career, one at the Roosters in 2016, uh, 2013, and one at the Sharks in 2016, and, and obviously represented his state and his country. Um, so we wish... Jimmy, all the best in his retirement. Uh, I believe he's coming back to Australia, probably opening up a barbecue galore shop or something to that effect. And um, <laughs> obviously when he when he goes on his, his tour and um, and starts talking about his career and they start asking him what his highlight of his career w- was, he'll o- of course he will say it would be appearing on episode five of season two of Ruin Hammer, no doubt. Oh, of course. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it was it was great to see his chat this morning on um it was it just summed him up perfectly or sorry yesterday on three sixty and they, they they crossed to him in France and they're like, Where are you? He goes, Oh yeah, I'm just here at Sam Mower's uh, cafe. <laughs> <laughs> just, that just summed him up perfectly, just completely yeah. random. But yeah, yeah, no, Jimmy Jimmy Maloney, absolute absolute legend of the club. I always have a soft spot for him. He's as I said, whichever club he went to, he brought success with him. And it, started, it yeah. all started, I mean, he played four games for the Storm, but he really sort of kicked off his first grade career with us in, in 2010. And he was a bit of an unknown and we took a, a punt on him. And, you know, in, in a year, he'd taken us to a grand final. So, yeah, yeah, yeah big love, big love to Jimmy Maloney. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, mates, um, I think we should dive in and unpack that win over the Bulldogs. Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah, because let's, let's face it, we desperately desperately needed that win oh, and absolutely. it was at morton's daily stadium at redcliffe there so warriors 24 bulldogs 10 warriors tries to current tavanga cozy and walsh and walsh walshy kicked four from five and for the bulldogs aaron shoop and ockenball with tries avarillo one from one so as discussed we were joined by, by our good mates jay harris and up high from hold the ball for our weekly watch party. And we're extremely fortunate to be joined, as we said, by the non-playing Warriors personnel and their players and their families. And they, they streamed in from their Gold Coast headquarters there at um, Pepper. 
And a massive shout out, yeah, again to Glenn Harris for facilitating and joining us and candidly having a chat with us at halftime and full time. And also great to see that the Fuss and uh, BMM there as well uh, during their injury rehab. Yeah, it was. It was great, mate. Um, and the Warriors uh, going into this game were buoyed by the return of uh, Wade Egan at hooker. Uh, his defence in that middle third of the field has been missed, I think, of late, and his inclusion was a big plus for the side. Yeah. That obviously shifted Jazz back to lock in the place of the injured Bailey Serenin. And then young Ed Cozy came into the starting 13 in place of uh, the suspended DWZ. Um, I, I must admit, Cozy's selection probably had all Warriors fans scratching their heads yeah. a little with with other options available. Uh, but in hindsight, you know, it proved to, to be a good decision with uh, Cozy having his best game since uh, making his debut. Uh, and the Bulldogs game was probably a good game for him to play some minutes, a little bit of confidence up. That's what too. I thought. Yeah, it's probably a good game to yeah. just get him back in there and just, yeah, boost the confidence after the, the last couple of games that he played. Yeah, I mean, he was thrown at the deep end earlier in the season um, and probably before he was really ready to play. Uh, but his performance on the weekend showed that he has learned from his errors in past games. So, so it was good for the young fella. So obviously the Bulldogs had their suspension dramas, but they were somewhat diminished with both Ryan James and Corey Horsburgh, you know, on loan from the Raiders. Something that Hammer will discuss in our weekly set of rants. Don't worry, boys, it's back this week <laughs> later on. Um, we must also voice our know, congratulations to Jackson Frey. He was, he's been in the squad for a few years now, and he finally made his Warriors debut in the front row, becoming Warrior number 265. So he now joins that list of forever and always Warriors, as we always say. And, look, we had we couldn't have had a better start to the game. Um, great ball, early, ball movement early, I should say, and then the shift, and Josh Curran came up with an early break on the edge, and then little did we know that this was, you know, a sign of things to come for Josh in this game. Absolutely. The, uh, Joshy followed up a few plays later with another great hole run off the Sean O'Sullivan short ball um, to score close to the post and an early try in the opening minutes of the game. Um, really loved that short ball option from O'Sullivan and it was a great vision there to identify those Bulldogs defenders who are obviously focusing their attention on Walsh out the back. Um, unfortunately, as is the norm of late, the set after points incomplete. Uh, this time, worst, worst fashion possible with um, Sean O'Sullivan going for a, a, a cutout pass to uh, Ed Cozy. It was intercepted by Aaron Shop, who ran away to score in the corner. Uh, must definitely, be his birthday. Uh, must be his yeah, birthday because it was a gift. <laughs> a, 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 definitely a try against the run of play, wasn't it, mate? <laughs> yeah, no, like we say it every week and we'll say it again, the set after points. It's just so crucial. It's just the kind of mistakes that the top teams don't make. So, yeah, but we, we were able to regroup after some enterprising attack. And again, we were able to build some pressure and um, Sean O'Sullivan was again, managing the game well. And he found hard running Josh Curran with another short ball, uh, putting him into a hole. And then he finds jazz uh, backing up on the inside. Well-timed pass. And he gets his first meat pie of the season, gets himself off the nudie run. So he'll be, he'll be happy yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, and then both teams settle in. There's a bit of a period that goes, you know, set for set. No one really gaining any momentum. Um, and then the Warriors' kick pressure pays off with a forced error on the back of a, a fifth tackle, a fifth tackle kick. And the ensuing set, we keep the pressure on the Bulldogs' edges and like determined runs like Curran and, and Aitken. They're playing an up-tempo style and it plays dividends with a. Walshy long ball out to Cozy, who gets his first try of his career. So it would have been good for him to to get that 
get that try on the board and that would have given him a lot of confidence. And we had three really good opportunities to score and the encouraging sign was that we, we nailed all three to start the yeah. game. Yeah, uh, very very unlike us of recent. Um, but, yeah, how, how good was that start? Um, mm. And then the Bulldogs kick out on the full to compound things for them uh, and we go back on the attack. But the ease of points seemed to have us a bit pass happy. I think, and we and we exhibited no patience in our play. There was uh, forced passes and turnover possession in great scoring position, uh, and it just relieved all that pressure that we built um, off the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs did then get some repeat sets through penalties and poor discipline. Um, but uh, the Warriors have a sustained period of really good, strong defence uh, on their line, denying the Dogs. Uh, the goal line defence of the Warriors has been a real highlight of the past couple of weeks and it did bring back some some memories of that resilience that we saw in the back end of last season as well yeah certainly did it was so good to see to see a bit of that back in our game a bit of steel in there and we got a penalty from that ryan james hit on cht after the kick but it ends with um a handling error close to the line unfortunately and how that hit wasn't a sin bin i don't know um yeah cht was hit late in the air, and then James drives him into the turf pretty hard. You know, that's enough for the chosen one to get involved and a bit of push and shove, a bit of argy-bargy, the hired gun. Um, <laughs> and, you know, again, as you said before, we defended our line pretty well, but the Bulldogs attack, it wasn't, they weren't really throwing too much at us, I suppose, and it's, it's been a problem for them all year, obviously, um, struggling to get points on the board. And whilst full of heart and determination, they're a team that they're just lacking that creativity in attack. <laughs> I'm just looking at the comments. Uh, oh, Richie Sterling, yeah. Richie Sterling from the um, from uh, the standoff has said, "Nice shirt selection tonight, guys. Not a picnic blanket to be seen." <laughs> uh, obviously, taking a pot shot at uh, Brad, who's also joined us, uh, who was wearing his picnic blanket uh, on. The standoff tonight. Um, I'm sure someone in the comments there also expressed their uh, a certain soft spot for the picnic blanket. Let's yeah. go back through the comments and find that person. <laughs> I um that that uh, that late hit on CHT by by Ryan James and then um, Reese Walsh coming. I, I find it uh, amazing that uh, Reese Walsh copped the same penalty as Ryan James with the uh, match review committee. It's just Baffling. I, I yeah. couldn't believe it. No. Um, the Warriors had a really nice passage of play and attack with uh, Josh Curran again proving a handful for the Bulldogs' defence every time he put his hands on the ball. Um, and we go close again, but it's a, a forced last pass option that brings us undone right on the Bulldogs' line. Uh, but again, it was Josh Curran causing the Dogs' defence massive headaches. Uh, the Bulldogs get some good ball late in the half through uh, though through uh, set restarts and a ruck penalty. And then the Dogs catch the Warriors uh, scrambling defence out. Hectic Montoya jamming in in defence leaves uh, big sexy Jade Knockenball unmarked out wide and uh, a cutout pass to him on the outside of the fence and they go in and score. And it's, it's, it's the only real scoring opportunity that the Dogs had to score. Yeah, so we go in 16-10 at halftime and it was really not a clear indication of the dominance that we'd had in that first half. It must have been, you know, uh, Brownie would have been you know, extremely disappointed with, with how that last few couple of minutes unfolded. And definitely, we're definitely the better of the two teams. And yeah, as I said, disappointing to only be six up. 
but we had two very good sets to start the second half and we're attacking the Bulldogs line again. 150 gamer um, Petahiku dropped the ball and they're attacking the Bulldogs line, preventing an almost certain try. And then the Bulldogs were successful captain's challenge. Again, what we always <laughs> we have just no luck with those. And then a crucial penalty in a subsequent set um, shifts the momentum completely back to their favour. It's um, luckily for us, poor handling from the big sexy Ockham ball um, relieves the pressure. And he, he did, unfortunately for him, have a number of um, bad moments with his hands in that game. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you know, I mean, he's, he's, uh, my son grew like grew up and went to school with Jaden. Mm. Jaden's his best mate from school, so I've got a soft spot for Jaden, even though he does play at the Bulldogs. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he had a Manu Vatavoy uh, versus Parramatta type of game, yeah. didn't he, with his, um, with his ball handling. He, he was. Yeah, a bit awful on the weekend. Um, but we were lucky, I guess, because uh, he's he's one of those big body guys. Um, very hard to stop one on one. So yeah, correct. Um, you know, could have put our boys under a little bit of pressure had he caught some of those balls, uh, trying to stop him close to the line one oh one, uh one on one, sorry. Um the Bulldogs had a very good period of possession, but the man of the moment, Josh Curran, uh, with a great hit to force the ball loose yeah. from the Bulldogs and earn the Warriors much needed possession in the dogs' half. And then a few plays later, CHT puts an early kick in on tackle three that catches not only the Bulldogs out, but I think everyone that was watching uh, at the time when he kicked it, we were all like, what are you doing? Um, then you see the chosen one, Reese Walsh, flashing through on the kick chase, wins the race to the ball and, and gets the ball down uh, inside the dead ball line. Uh, and it was great vision from CHT to identify that space in behind Ockenball. Ball. Uh, as I said, he's a big buddy that body struggles to turn and chase uh quickly and very similar to how ken was for us in defense um all those years yeah turns turns as fast as the queen mary as they used to say yeah <laughs> about yeah. some of those bigger wingers so that got us a, a 22 to 10 lead and and it was a crucial penalty in the bullocks attacking zone and we chose to keep the ball in play and this was something that at, when while, while we were watching we debated this um on our watch party because it's you know we're up by 12 and like do you take that opportunity to go up to 14 to just get that little buffer you know relieve the pressure a little bit but we decided at that point in time to keep the pressure on and um a bit of a lack of patience in attack fails to you know bring any points and perhaps taking the two and a 14 point lead would have been a better option um to give us that buffer early on in that half yeah perhaps their minds went back to that sharks game last season at at 12 all, we took that penalty to go up by two. Uh, and then the Sharks scored late to sink us in, in um, and end our final aspirations. And it, it was probably the same game, you know, three or four games out from, from the semis uh, yeah, it was. on our run home. Um, perhaps against better opposition, though, they, they would have taken the two points. Uh, the fact that it was the Bulldogs, uh, you know, maybe they thought that, you know, we, we've been playing well, we've got some points in us, we, we're a good chance of scoring here. Um but, yeah, uh, the Bulldogs, again, shift the momentum and find themselves attacking our line. Uh, and another successful captain's challenge. And the Bulldogs mount uh, serious pressure on the Warriors' line. But, again, it's uh, Josh Curran with a save on the line, uh, picking up a little kick through. And, and then a high shot from Sione Koa on Ed Cozy uh, coming out of trouble. Uh, and, you know, drops the ball. The Bulldogs go in to score. And the, the ref brings it back and has a look at it. Um, and, and, obviously, we avoid... The inevitable and, and the, the Bulldogs tries uh disallowed and, and we get warden at a penalty. 
It was a real game-changing moment uh, because if that try was awarded, the Bulldogs would have been right on our heels. Uh, and I still can't believe that Reese Walsh gets charged for pushing Ryan James in the chest after he attacks CHT in the air after a kick. But Sione Katoa um, gets no charge by the, the match review committee uh, when you can see that that hit was clearly shoulder and sh clearly contact to the head. I don't understand it. Oh, it's it was a real head scratcher. I wonder what um, Trent Barrett thought about that. Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there was. I don't know what he. I don't know what he was watching. He, he might have been ha having those glasses that Homer Simpson wears when he's in court, like pretending yeah. he's looking awake. Yeah, I think he was wearing yeah. some of those. Um. So we get we get the wall and we go length of the field and that man Cossy unfortunately drops the ball over the line in the act of scoring, double whammy and then giving a seven tackle set straight back to the Bulldogs. So the momentum swings are just going back and forth at this point of time in the game. It's just swinging something fierce. So you only get to hold with another crucial penalty again and the Warriors take a shot at goal this time. It was it was a it was about forty meters out. It's more than forty meters out. Yeah, and I think we sort of said at the time, does Walshy have that bigger boot on him? But he nailed it pretty comfortably. Yeah. So we do go out to that that fourteen point buffer, and then Katoa's third successive penalty puts us back on the attack on the Bulldogs line. But again, it's it's more of that impatience, and and not and not the not sort of the Bulldogs' defence. It's just you know we're, we're just trying to score off every play almost. Yeah, and that denies us the points, and and we were our own worst enemy in the, you know, for most of that second half. To be fair, and this impatience is something that Brownie will definitely have to, you know, no doubt would be addressing at training during the week because it was, oh, yeah, it was concerning. Mate, absolutely, he will. I'm, I'm just noticing Richie Sterling said um, the MRC. I thought he was saying my name for a minute there because uh, mm -hmm. they're my initials. Um, the match review committee in the bunker are about as inconsistent as each other, don't you reckon? Hey, absolutely. I, 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 oh yeah. I just can't understand some of these things that, um, you know, the guys are getting fined for. And, um, you know, I mean, there was another one like Nathan Cleary, protected species, um, yes. clear shoulder charge, but, you know, gets away with a fine. Um, anyway, we'll get into that a bit later <laughs> on. Um, the Bulldogs with ill discipline continue to pressure our, our line at that stage. Um, but again, um, uh, sorry. The Bulldogs, with ill discipline, continue to put pressure on themselves, I meant to say, uh, with penalties against them. And again, the Warriors fail to capitalise on, on those that Bulldogs' poor discipline with, um, again, poor handling it of our own. Petahiku goes pretty close to scoring uh, in his 150th league, brought down a couple of middle off from the line. Uh, and then the Bulldogs, with a, a last-ditch effort to try and finish the game with points, but again, poor old... Um, They've been nominating him as Jandal hands or thong hands or Jaden uh, knock-on ball uh, with a knock drop ball. ball. <laughs> and the Warriors defence holds out for a well-deserved de win. So, yeah. Yeah, look, that, that's it exactly. It was a win, so therefore it was a great win because we absolutely had to get the job done there, and we did. So it's the third in a row for us for the first time since 2018 that we've won three games in a row. It's also the third week in a row that we've held the opposition scoreless in the second half proving our defensive structures are working and we're getting the results. And personally, I thought there were periods of the game, though, where we didn't play with enough patience and we pushed passes where we shouldn't have. And that the more that the more time that I've had to think about it, you know, that's 
that's the big thing that I'll probably remember is we had an opportunity in that second half to, to put on two, three more tries. And with uh, positions in the eight at a premium at the moment, such hot hot competition, it's going to come down to four and against. So yeah, I feel uh, I agree, an opportunity lost. I agree. We had plenty of points in us uh, and our impatience just got in the way of ourselves. And, and that's something we really need to work on. Um, as you said, you know, you know We've got a minus 113 differential at the moment, sitting in, in 12th. Uh, and, and Two, on the two more tries would have put us ahead of the Dragons if we Correct. just got a couple more tries. Correct. Uh, so that, that, yeah. that literally moved us up the ladder, but yeah, it wasn't to be. So. No. Uh, in saying though, as you said, mate, two points is two points. Uh, and three in a row in the, for the first time since 2018 when uh, SJ was, was at the club, which was uh, the first three rounds of... The 2018 season, and if if Sean o, if we win this weekend with Sean O'Sullivan at halfback, he'll become the first um, half to go four in a row since 2013. Because that that 2018 season where we won five in a row, yeah, Sean Johnson missed, yeah, Sean Johnson missed game four uh, against the Roosters. So um, yeah, uh, there's a lot to like about Sean O'Sullivan's game. He's I think he's really doing a great job in the halves for us, and, and I hope the club rewards him with a contract extension because, as I said on um, the standoff the other night, he, he's he's learned Brown's uh, systems and, and he's learned Warriors football this, this season. And rather than going out and playing overs or or getting somebody else in and, and trying to have them relearn those systems, Sean O'Sullivan's starting to get a nice combination going with the player there around him. Um, so I reckon he'd be a great uh, backup to both uh, Chanel and, and Sean next season, considering both those two players have had some recent injury, injury history. Yeah. yeah. Um, mate, standout performances. Josh Curran again, outstanding yeah. game, 175 metres, uh, 44 post-contact metres, a try, a try assist, three line breaks, one line break assistant, and um, 43 tackles. Uh, Fanua Blake is captain, uh, 211 metres, 100 Post-contact leaders, three tackle breaks, two offloads, 31 tackles. And then Ewan Aiken, uh, you know, only playing, what, his third game in the back row. Uh, loving it. Loving life um, out on the edge, isn't he? <laughs> mate, 157 metres, four tackle breaks, 39 tackles. His um, revelation. It could be yeah. just the career move that sparks a, a rebirth. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, should have a look at the rest of the round, mate. We'll go through. Yeah, mate, we'll, we'll, we will for sure. Uh, it was a women in league round, and it was a Storm versus the Raiders that got us started on Thursday night at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Storm 26 over the Raiders 16. Uh, Storm with tries to Brandon Smith, Iremea, Lewis, and Hines 4 from 4, Pappenhausen 3 from 3, and Bailey Simonson got a hat trick for the Raiders. Croker missed with his only attempt, and Williams, uh, Sam Williams got 2 from 2. This was the first game of the very important uh, women league round, as, as we mentioned before. And it's great to see crowds back at the footy again. It was a tough, it was a tough start for the Storm though. They lost Al Fanukan to another HIA in the opening minutes of the game. Mate, he's another player who's had ongoing concussion injuries for for the past few seasons now, and and to see him cop another one is a is a real worry. Um, he could spend some time on the sideline. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Canberra scored an early try at the back of a rare storm handling error with Jack Whiten throwing a very nice cutout pass to Bailey Simonson for his first try. But then the storm hit back with three quick tries to change the early momentum and swing the game back into their control. And you think, here we go again. You know, it's the storm doing their thing. 
Yeah, they led 20 to 4 at half time. But Ricky would have been filthy with the Storm's last try that uh, both Joe, Joe Tarpany and Josh Hodgson just giving up on a play. And, and I think it was Chris Lewis who was able to just run through the line and score untouched. Yeah, I thought Melbourne were uncharacteristically undisciplined for the majority of that second half, though. And, and they gave Canberra a lot of opportunities to get back into the contest. And, and to their credit, they took those opportunities and they were able to build pressure. And they scored two more tries. It was looking like game on. Um, they, they got themselves right back into the game, up to their eyeballs. And it was just a few late penalties that enabled Melbourne to extend their lead and, and hold on for that win. Yeah, I was impressed with the Raiders, mate. I, I, I thought they played a tough, gritty style of footy and, and matched the storm in the physicality stakes. If they mm. continue to play that style of footy, they'll, they'll be there and about come semi-final time. Um, Corey Harawira-Naira with a sickening hit on mm. Jerome Hughes late in that game, uh, and he was sent from the field. Uh, and he, he just got his body position all, all wrong. Um, and he's, he's got the three-match game, so he won't play again until the finals if the Raiders make it. But Melbourne, again, mate, they continue their unbeaten run. They're now 18 wins in a row, uh, going for the, the record this week uh, of 19. Um, I think they've had a little bit of dip of form in the past few weeks. Uh, you, you think about the game against Manly where they had 70% possession and, and they only really put Manly away by 10 points. Um, but they're still managing to beat teams and win games, and, and you know that's a sign of a, a classy outfit, isn't it? Yeah, they've had a couple of tests, but they they've still come through. They they still keep on their way. So yeah. I, I even think they should be called the Melbourne Terminators because they're programmed <laughs> to just <laughs> programmed to play that way. Yeah. All right, bringing us to Friday. The first game on Friday was the Dra Panthers thirty-four over the Dragons sixteen. Panthers tries a double to Naden Edwards two. Burton and Momorowski and Cleary kicking five from six for the Dragons. Ravalawa, Bird and Amone and Zach Lomax two from three. So it was a it was a double header at Suncorp on Friday, and the Cyborg Nathan Cleary returns for his first game since round fifteen, and of course a few positional shifts within that team with Matt Matty Burton back to the centres and Stephen Crichton out to the wing, and the Dragons had all the momentum early and ten from ten um, sets to the Panthers and uh, one from three in the opening 15 minutes. Yeah. the um, Dragons 10 from 10 and Panthers yeah. 10 from three, yeah. But the Panthers' ne defense never looked under pressure, though, uh, even with the Dragons having all that ball. They had that quick line speed, uh, great talk, and their, depress their, their um, defensive pressure earned them a result with um, Naden getting that intercept to go 90 metres to score. Uh, but, but Penrith were off their game, though, too. Um, you know, they making six handling errors. In that opening 25 minutes, which is why the Dragons had so much ball, um, and they only had a 29% completion rate, which is very un-Penrith-like. Yeah, exactly. That they, they turned the ball over to the Dragons in their own half on a few occasions, and the Dragons eventually got a result from that 70% 70, 70 possession with uh, Michaeli Rampage Ravalawa uh, scoring in the corner. And Penrith did find their feet, though, in the back end of the first half, and um, they got a couple of tries to go into halftime as 16-6 leaders. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Zach Lomax uh, on two occasions tried a, a no-look pass, uh, and he was made to pay the ultimate price on the second occasion with the Panthers turning defence and attack and scoring a long-range try. And, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's it's not in his game. It's not part of his game. He's, he's no Wade Egan and... Um, no, he's he no way. To... I was just going to say, who do you think he is? Wado. Yeah. He, needs, he needs to put that one in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Devin, as we said, Penrith turned their momentum into points, uh, as all the good sides do. And um, they tried to put the Dragons to the sword. The Dragons did themselves no favours, though. They had a shocking completion rate in that second half. They just couldn't hold on to it. Yeah, they did score two tries at the back end of the game via young um, Talatau Amone's injection in the Jeez, game. Isn't he looking like the, looking Mate, he got, he got hammered by the judge, um, Viliami Kikau, and then the very next play, he ran straight back at the judge and put a step on and then uh, set the try up for Jack Bird. So, um, yeah, you can't keep turning the ball over cheaply in your own half uh, to these top sides. In the end, uh, the Panthers just suffocated the Dragons out of the game. Uh, through their defensive relentless pressure and their controlled attack. And, and the Cyborg will be better for the run um, in that game. But cracking game, they've got coming up this week against the Rabbitohs. Yeah, that'll be a rip snorter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. can't wait for that one. Um, the second, Moving on to the second game on the Friday night, it was the Roosters 21 over the Broncos 20. Roosters with try to Isaac, tries with Isaac Deliu, Dale Copley, James Tedesco. And our mate Adam Curran with four from four and Walker with the crucial field goal. And for the Broncos, tries to Payne Haas, Jordan Rickey and Kelly and Gamble two from two and Cobo two from two. So the second of the game is the Suncorp double header and Kevy Walters with a surprising decision to bring the MILF, bring back the MILF. Bench <laughs> coming off the bench. So uh, James Tedesco went into the game on the back of a, his longest try drought of his career, not having scored a try since round four against us, ironically. Yeah, mate. Um, always good to see the MILF back. I'm a big fan of a MILF. Um, love a MILF on a bench. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um, let's not forget the last time these two sides met. The Broncos were actually victorious. Uh, so uh, the Broncos did look up for this game. Uh, they came up fast and they played a, a really good up-tempo style of footy for, uh, to start off with. Made the best of their any opportunity in early opportunities in the Roosters' 20-metre uh, zone with um, Payne Haas scoring a really, really good try, um, dragging defenders. Yeah, yeah, correct. It's wrecking ball. And the Roosters, yeah. mate, they, they, looked, they looked rattled early and they made some real uncharacteristic errors trying to force the pass and, in an effort to try and build some of that pressure and... The Broncos looked really good with the ball in hand and they made like plenty of meters in their set. They're roll, rolling up the field. So Yeah, their, their use of their use of late footwork at the line enabled them to keep the Roosters' defense under pressure. Um, but when Tedesco injected himself in the play in the back end of that first half, the Roosters were able to get some momentum going their way uh, to get back into that game and, and go in 12-all at half time. Yeah, the Broncos really pressured the Roosters in that opening stage of that second half as well. And they, the Roosters probably didn't respond as you would expect. Uh, they played rushed and non-structured footy for the most part, so very un-Roosters like there. And, and Trent Robinson wouldn't have liked what he saw at all. And uh, how, how good was that Albert Kelly try, though? The Polar Bear version 2.0. Flegler with some footwork to set up that try. It's like it's like he got into the space and he's like, oh, geez, what do I do here? This never happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. It was. It was sensational. The great footwork for a big man. Um, how about the charge down by, by Radley on Albert Kelly, too, just before full time? Uh, that was mm. ugly, very unfortunate. No malice in it, but it, it, it had to be a penalty. And, and Radley uh, copped a three-week suspension for that. Um, yeah, so he's yeah, for the run home in the semis. Yeah, probably a victim of his victim of his reputation there as well. Um, yeah, but mate, it was it was 
more drama than the last five minutes of a Warriors game there, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Drama-filled final five. The Roosters field goal for a one-point lead. A penalty goal for the Broncos to take a one-point lead. And then a penalty goal for the Roosters to take a, take a one-point victory. Uh, yeah. I've got to say, though, the Broncos played really well, and they were unlucky in that game, definitely. They were, and, and really, uh, unless – if James Tedesco doesn't charge um, captain's challenge uh, that yeah. uh, that ball play uh, at that last point in the game to get that penalty, then the, they don't see that high shot on Satili Tupanua. Um, yeah, that's right. To get, to get the penalty. So uh, very fortunate. They could challenge that. <laughs> no, very fortunate. Um so yeah, uh, I mean, you got to remember too that the the Roosters were without uh, both Angus Crichton, the the Lord Farquhar, and um, and Caesar um, Jared Warrior Hargraves. So um, they bring them back into the Scott side, and they're they're a bit better team. I mean, uh, Crichton's on the bench now for a couple of weeks because his uh, suspension. They've got Radley. I, I seriously seriously don't think the Roosters are title contenders. And I'll say that with the all respect to the Roosters, you know they've they've been great this season to be to be where they are, uh, and especially with their horror injury run and and the you know the three big name players that have had to retire midway through the season. Um, any other team would have been languishing down where we are, but they've they've maintained their their sp- uh, position up there in that top four, top five all season, um, uh, and you know a wonderful team. But I, I just don't think they're going to be playing. In the you know that last weekend in of the comp, and they're they're really just making up the numbers now. Uh, I think they'll finish fourth or fifth, uh, depending on how Manly go. Uh, they, they'll more than likely end up at fifth and uh, be in a fight. Uh, I can't see the winner coming from anyone apart from you know Storm Panthers, Rabbits, or or Manly at this stage. Yeah, it is looking probably a bridge too far for them this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on to Saturday's games and my favourite ground, Shibas Shipper Stadium, and we had the rabbit Shipper stuff there. We had the Rabbitohs thirty-six over the Titans six. The Rabbitohs two tries to Burns, two tries to the Source. Mitchell and Reynolds also getting four pointers, and Reynolds uh, six from eight. And to the Titans, it's a try to Thompson and Sexy Sexton banged one over. And uh, Super Saturday started with the Rabbitohs and the Titans at Seabus, an all-important game for both teams. But the Titans were under the most pressure because they're in that massive long queue, including us, to try and uh, get into that seventh and eighth spot there. Again, the enigma, David Fida uh, started from the bench for the Titans, which at this stage of the season continues to be you know, a strange option. Mate, it's, it's a weird choice from Joe Holbrook in my book. I, I said last week on our show when we did the preview, I said that the game could well and truly be over before David Fafuda is even injected into the game. And and they waited until the 25th minute to bring him into the game. And I think the Rabbits were already leading uh, 12-0. You know, they got the, that early try to Latrell Mitchell and then they continued to keep the Titans under pressure. And um, Agro Walker put the Mansour, uh, Josh Mansour, over in the corner uh, for the Rabbits to get that 12-0 lead before Fafuda had even stepped on the field. It's... When, when you, you're playing for your survival in the top eight, it's just the weirdest coaching decision I've seen next to um, Hook Griffin's decision not to play Dufty at fullback and to play every other player at St. George there instead. Yeah, and look, Souths really are a team that know how to keep the pressure on and they know how to convert that pressure into points and they did that with further two tries and they were 24-0 up at half time. It's a huge lead and 
that left edge is just lethal for the rabbits, regardless of who plays there. It's just so potent. Can you imagine how many tries Alex Johnson would have if he hadn't gotten injured? Because I think the source has scored seven tries out on that wing in the last four weeks, which would have, yeah, he'd be over 30 tries. It's just ridiculous to think. Um, Yeah. The only other team that's, Anywhere near that, and we, we'll talk about them, is Manly. They've got three players that are on 20 tries for the season. That's just bizarre. Um, yeah, the opening try in the second half brought up 30 points for the Rabbits uh, and became the first team to score 30 points in eight consecutive games in the NRL history. Um, yeah. Titans just no answers to the Rabbits' relentless attack. Uh, and with, with the ball, both Sexton and um, Ash Taylor, they re- both really failed to create anything. Um, you know, Sexton's a young guy and he was put under a lot of pressure on the weekend from the Rabbis and he just really didn't know how to respond, I don't think. Yeah, well, the Titans did eventually manage to cross the line, but it wasn't until the 66th minute uh, through the ever-reliable Corey Thompson and then Peachy went close not long after that in that period. We see week after week the Rabbitohs seem to have a little bit of a siesta there and they they nod off for about a 10 minute period and that's something they'll yeah. address yeah it happened against us too you know even in that yeah. 60 point uh game you know where we we scored 20 points in just, in a very short time. period of time yeah. yeah uh and it does it happens every week and it's something that bennett's going to really need to get out of their game uh because melbourne and Bris- and penrith will just punish those lapses and manly to an extent too um but uh Latrell Mitchell again uh, in a rare vein of form, 190 metres, one try, three offloads, three line breaks and one try assist. And Cody Walker with another three try assists in a dominant performance for South. And here's my smokey for the Dally M. Uh, he's played all season. Uh, you know, we had Tommy Turbo was out for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the year, so he, he obviously missed five games of picking up points. Uh, probably scored twos and threes in every game since then. Uh, and the Cyborg was just killing it uh, when up until he got injured, and then he's spent four or five weeks on the sideline. But Walker's been a constant for South, and uh, he's been playing really, really good footy. So um, I, I think uh, he's my smoky for, for the Dally M this year. Okay. That's your good oil. My good oil, yeah, mate. Folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second, second game on Super Saturday up at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, the Tigers 24 over the Cowboys 16. Tigers, Big Stefano, Mamalo, Tuilangi, and Talau got tries. Dewey, four from four. For the Cowboys, Nanai, Dearden, Hampton, and Holmes, two from four. So game two of the Super Saturday had the Cowboys hosting the Tigers. Both teams wearing their women in league jersey, which was a little bit confusing when I flicked it on. <laughs> <laughs> Both wearing pink. Um, the Cowboys with all the early possession, though, uh, but their attack was just going from side to side. You, you see it so often with these struggling teams. They go side to side, no no forward momentum, no, not punching any holes in the defensive line, and, and no one doing the hard metres up the middle. It was a bludger of a game to watch. Um, the Cowboys' attack was, was very easy to defend with the Tigers just sliding left and right to cover it. They really didn't have to do anything. Um, the Tigers scored a try in their first good ball set. But then uh, turn possession over straight after points, uh, a la the Warriors. Um, but yeah, the Cowboys are just unable to build any pressure with their ineffective attack. Yeah, that's it. And, and the Tigers were making good meters in every set, putting the Cowboys' defense under pressure. And the and the Cowboys' fifth tackle kicking game was, to be honest, diabolical. Uh, they managed to score a try though from 
from a comedy for his late and a half. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, it was. Yeah. Um, Mark Roberts is saying Hammer would have had a happy household on the weekend after that win. He was a happy man, but, um, you know, because he got the two points. But then after um, after the adrenaline rush came down and, and he was able to think about that win, he was uh, just as baffled and bemused as the rest of us. <laughs> Mate, Luke Brooks had, uh, ha tried hard to create for the Tigers, but he was guilty of putting too much on his kicks. He actually gifted the Cowboys seven tackle sets on, on so many occasions in that game. Yeah, and the Cowboys, they just continued their poor fifth tackle kicking into that second half, and the Tigers were the better of the two sides, and and they they build on that, built on their halftime lead, and they gave the Cowboys – they did give the Cowboys a real sniff late in the game. It was a seriously tough watch. Like It was almost like they were trying to let the Cowboys back into the game for that last 10 minutes. It was, it was oh. honestly like watching a Warriors game at our worst – trying to hang on to a lead and like the final 10 it was oh yeah 100% it was it was um it was a game indicative of where both sides are sitting on the ladder um and I mean we're in and around that that spot too so I'm not bagging Tigers uh, I'm just saying you know I'm calling it as I see it you, you get two bottom of the table sides playing each other and it does become a bit of a a uh, a bludger of a game um because the, the cowboy, the Tigers really should have put the Cowboys to the sword. Um, the G, um, um, their field deteriorating too. It, it looked like it was getting well and well, truly worn up, and it surprised me because it had it's had nowhere near the amount of games as Seabus and Suncorp, and those the fields amount, look immaculate. Um, Ciala says, "What do you think is going wrong with the Cowboys? Uh, it's their cattle. It's definitely their cattle. Um, there's a lot of no name." players that uh toddy yeah has to bring in every week you know um they've got a a, a makeshift spine you'd call it uh i guess uh because you know they've got chad townsend going there next year so you know where he's going to play um I, I i just uh i just think um yeah they they just it's it's a different lot of cattle that uh, Toddy had at the Warriors last year to buy into his to his uh, programs and his systems, and, and he they, had a lot more experienced players at the Warriors and players that had been more, in the system for a while. He had a lot so, more time with them too because he brought some of those guys through in the low grades at the Warriors before he mm. took over as a head coach. And I know he coached at the Cowboys back in 2015, but uh, not a lot of those kids were there then. No. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you look at that forward pack and you kind of you scratch your head as to. I know. I look at it every week, and I mean, I watch a lot of footy, and I follow every game, and you know, I know a lot about a lot of players at different clubs. And I'll look at that Cowboys lineup and scratch my head and go, "Who the fuck is that?" Um, so yeah, uh, I think a lot of young guys in a lot, a lot of turnover of, of players, and they've used a lot of guys this year. And yeah. guys will be better for the run, but just at this point in time, it's just not clicking for them. No, and I think any success up there is going to take a bit of time, if because. I they haven't really gone big on the open market. Um, you know, they they lost Josh McGuire during the year. They let him out to uh, the Dragons. Uh, I know they've bought Chad Townsend, but, I mean, Pep, Chad Pep, Townsend was yeah. – oh, yeah, they've got Pep going there. Um, but, you know, I mean, they bought Chad Townsend, and Chad Townsend was a reserve-grade halfback at Cronulla before we bought him, and now he's, he's sitting on the bench. And not he's probably not going to get a game for us for the rest no, of the year so, either. Um, yeah, I, I just think – 
yeah, he's, he's got a, a big job on his hands up there, Toddy. And, you know, we say it very often on this show, we, we love Toddy. We love, um, you know, the oh. way that he conducts himself. And, um, you know, he's got a great, great rugby league brain. Uh, but, yeah, he's got a he's got a bit of an uphill battle ahead of him, at least for the next 12 months uh, before the Cowboys see any any real results. And like you said, mate, those, those youngsters in that Cowboys uh, squad will be uh, better for it in time, uh, similar to a lot of the young guys coming through for us at the moment. Guys like Cozzy and uh, Vallejo and uh, Otacolo, who have probably been thrown in a bit before their time, getting mm. them game time in, in, at this stage in their career, they'll be better for it a couple of you know years down the track. So, yeah. Cheers, Stevie Williams as well for the jersey shout out. He's loving a bit of the uh, Tang Tangaroa jersey. Tangaroa, yeah. sorry. Yeah. You're right, bro. <clears throat> All right, moving on to the Sunshine Coast Stadium and the third game on the Super Saturday, Manly 56 versus the Eels 10. Manly, geez, go through all the try scores. Garrick with three, Suli with two, Parker, Tom Travojevic, Walker, Saab, Otakoatu, Garrick, eight from 10. And for the <laughs> Eels, Opacic and Blake, tries and Gutherson, one from two. So the final game saw the battle for fifth between the Sea Eagles and the Eels. Yeah, mate. As usual, Morgan Harper uh, wore his fancy dress costume. He came dressed as um, Bruce Feldman from um, the Starsky and Hutch movie. And, and it was great to see Michael Oldfield get into the spirit of fancy dress as well. Uh, he came dressed as Blake Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> it was uncanny, wasn't it? It's like, well, if we can't have Blake there, let's have the next best option, some guy that looks like Blake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Manly did get a dream start, 100% possession in the opening 10 minutes, um, and they were two tries up before Parra had even touched the ball. It was reminiscent of that uh, Storm-Tigers game at the same ground earlier in the year. Yeah, Manly just controlled all that early momentum, didn't they? Um, and, and when even when Parramatta did get some possession, they, they were just unable to get out of their own half. Um, Manly, on the other hand, uh, easily got out of their own half, went in possession, and and both Kieran Foran and DCE's kicking game was on point. G. Uh, you know, I was a doubter of Kieran Foran. Um, mm. When Manly re-signed him, you know, he, he had a, a checkered uh, little season at us and then went to the Dogs and was, uh, you know, under uh, an injury cloud the whole time he was there. And I really thought his best footy was past him. But um, he's pulled that Maroon and jersey, white jersey back on. He wound the clock back to 2011 and he's just playing some great footy. Yeah, well, the, the whole Manly team played that quick up-tempo style of footy. Even at the stoppages, they hurried their restarts and they were catching power out and it really worked to their advantage. They they were, like, they were just scoring points at will, catching the eels out with, you know, long shifts in their own half and every time they were just breaking the line, making metres and Turbo put on another first half masterclass again to give Manly a 26-4 to halftime lead. So... Yeah, Manly. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just made they made a lot of edges uh, meters on the edges, um, with the eels wingers jamming in, leaving space out wide for Garrick and Saab. Um, and, and Manly also chose to kick early in the tackle count a couple of times too, which kept turning that that eels forward pack around, and and that forced mistakes with the defensive pressure that Manly were able to put on them. Yeah, and look, things just went from bad to worse for Parramatta. Ryan Madison sent from the field for that, that sickening shoulder charge on old Hank, Hank Scorpio, Brad Parker there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good. And they're having to defend Parramatta. Well, Parramatta were having to defend Manly with twelve men for the final seventeen minutes, and 
they were having enough trouble with 13, so they're always going to struggle. And the Okore got sent to the Simbin as well, reducing them to 11. Um, so it made the last quarter of that game a non-event, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the game was out of their hands anyway, but uh, Manly were just able to put on, um, uh, you know, four more tries in that that last 17 minutes to blow the score out to, to what it ended up. Um, Tommy Turbo, again, with an absolute masterclass, 185 metres, one try, five try assists, two line breaks. Uh, picked up a, a bit of a fractured cheekbone, and they expected him to miss this week, but he's been named, so we'll have to wait and see. And, and massive shout-out to Ruben Garrick. He's he's now become uh, the highest uh, point scorer for the Seagulls in a single season, uh, overtaking uh, Matt Ridge's record at the club. And I think on the weekend he... Hey, I think he... Um, I think he even got the most points in a game for the Seagulls on the weekend too with his three tries and eight goals. I might be mistaken on that one, but he's definitely the the Seagulls' highest point scorer. Um, he's, he's got to be one of the form wingers in the game at the moment. He looks fast and he can he's, he's just icing every opportunity. He can score tries, he can kick goals. And, well, Manly, Manly for me are the most dangerous team in the comp at the moment because they just have this – this attacking, um, uh, this great attacking uh, options all across the park. So, you know, you got Saab and Garrick on the wings, and you got um, Hank Scorpio and Reese Feldman in the centres, and then inside them you've got back rowers like Josh Schuster, the Vibe Man, and um, R2D2, uh, Olika R2, uh, on on the edges, and then you got Four and, and DCE. It's and probably the the unsung hero of that side is Lachlan Croker, who's not a heart, uh, hooker. He's a shift hooker. He came from Canberra as a halfback. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, with Fainu not being able to play because of the no-fault stand-down policy, um, you know, he's been great for the, the Seagulls. And and also um, Dylan Walker coming off the bench and playing that that 14 utility role. Um, yeah, they're, they're just a dangerous side yeah. all across the um, all across the park. Yeah, I think, I think uh, Manly... Uh, sorry, Storm and Penrith will be looking down, looking over their shoulders a little bit nervously at them. Yeah, um, absolutely. S- mo- moving on to Sunday, obviously we were the first game. There was a, a double header out there at Redcliffe. Uh, I've already reviewed our game, but the second game of the double header was Sharks uh, versus the Knights, and Knights sixteen over the Sharks fourteen. Um, tries Tuala got in, getting a double. Clifford kicking two from three. And for the Sharks, Ramian and the Prejack getting tries. Trindle three from three. And the Knights had all the early possession, and they scored. They scored literally in the first minute of the game. I think it was in the corner yep. to Anari Tuala. And the first half was a real arm wrestle, as expected, with both teams desperately trying to get the two points to stay in in touch with seventh and eighth position there. And the Sharks. Uh, with the better of the possession, were able to build pressure and score two tries to take the lead um, to Jesse Ramian and the Prejacks. So they went in at um, 12-8 at half time. Yeah, the game did become a real battle, though, in that middle third. Uh, became a real forward battle with both teams not really capitalising on any possession that they had in the opposition half. Uh, Twyla got the Knights level with the Sharks, but then the Sharks keep, keep, uh, skipped clear with um, Braden Trindle kicking penalty goal yeah that's it and and the, the second half was an arm wrestle that you would expect with the two teams in the position that they are you know vying for that pretty much that one spot and three three penalty goals were the only points scored in that to the last 25 minutes of that game and 
the wind put the Knights up to seventh. And odds on now, it's looking like they will stay in that position with three games to go against lesser sides like the Bulldogs, the Titans, and the Broncos to finish the season. So, I mean, it would take a dramatic drop in form for them to to fall out of the race. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Sharks now remain on 18 points with the Dragons, uh, Warriors, and Tigers. And they're in a real battle now uh, with those three sides and the Raiders and Titans for that final spot in the top eight. Because... Um, You'd have to assume that, um, yeah, Raiders and Tigers are tough games this week and, and a possibility of losing those ones. So they'll stay on 20 if the, you know, if the Warriors can can win, we go to 20. If the Tigers can win, they go to 20. It's it's going to be a real logjam around that. And as we said before, for and against is going to be the determining factor. Um, just before we move on to the the set of six, the, the weekly rants, um, thoughts and prayers to... Uh, big Andrew Fafita and his family. I, I know Andrew's a polarising figure in the game. A lot of people, you know, they, they either love him or they hate him. There's really no uh, middle ground with him. But um, he suffered a fractured larynx uh, during the game on Sunday. Uh, they they tried to look for when it happened and couldn't find any foul play from any Knights players. And it was just one of those accidents that happened in the game. And um, so, so uh, serious was it that, you know, they were working on him on the side of the field and, and then he was uh, taken to hospital and he was placed in an induced coma on uh, yeah. on Monday. And they operated and from all reports, uh, the operation was a success. And he, he should make a, a full recovery, albeit with a Gary Larson voice. Um, so, yeah, uh, thoughts and prayers out to Andrew Fafita and his family. Uh, I know he's very close to a couple of the Warriors boys in, um, uh, you know, Matt Lodge uh, and... Um, and Sean O'Sullivan, uh, he grew up with Lodgie. So, um, yeah, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to him. And we wish him a speedy recovery. And he, he probably won't play footy again. But, uh, you know, he's been a great servant to, you know, uh, the Tigers and, and the Sharks and and also um, New South Wales, Australia and Tonga. Yeah, exactly. Had a great career. And, yeah, we wish him all the best with his recovery. Yeah. What time is all it, right. mate? Mate, I think it's time for a rant. <laughs> <laughs> Drop yourself in. <laughs> right, I'm going to kick it off to, today. Have we got the uh, have we got the little uh, bar up on the screen? Set of six, the weekly rants. Okay. Um, my first rant, uh, we did miss out week last week, so um, I did compile a bit of a list last week, and uh, it's kind of a mismatch of, of things. But uh, the one I want to talk about first is the social media trolls. Now, um, Playing NRL or any high-profile televised sport uh, brings those athletes well and truly into the public eye. Uh, and I guess to some extent that puts them in a position where they have to expect some criticism from fans on uh, social media uh, platforms. There's, there's real escaping that, uh, such is the nature of the world we live in. It's a, the digital age. But when does that criticism cross the line, though? Uh, when What is unacceptable? What is acceptable? Uh, when is it acceptable or not acceptable to voice your criticism? Uh, we've seen players like Josh Morris and Josh Adokar publicly call out people who have sent them disgusting messages regarding lost multis. Uh, we've seen Indigenous stars like Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell receive racist comments in the past, and uh, Latrell even pressed charges and had a, an individual prosecuted uh, about a week or two ago. Um, sometimes the criticism is warranted uh, or justified, such as you know the weekend with Vaughan incident or... Um, the Joy Arrow or Funtime Appy situation uh, where you get, you know, these guys do something stupid and they're going to expect to get criticised for it. 
But even then, the criticism is about the stupidity of the situation, uh, criticising the action without making it personal or vindictive. Um, two weeks ago, uh, young Bulldogs player Jaden Ockenbaugh uh, received vile messages to his Instagram uh, direct messaging after his poor game against the Titans. Now, I've seen the messages, uh, and, you know, pardon my swearing, but to call someone a black cunt uh, in this day and age is just not on. Uh, there's no way of disguising that as anything other than racist. Um, Jaden is a proud uh, African-Australian, uh, Aussie mum, Nigerian father. Now, Jaden made a terrible mistake last season with the, the whole school uh, schoolyard incident, the schoolgirl incident, and he will ever have to deal with that uh, and, and live that down. But to attack someone based on uh, race alone, absolutely despicable. In addition to this, we had uh, Broncos players Tessie Nui and Jordan Ricky both receive racial slurs in, in messages sent to their, in their Instagram accounts after the game against Newcastle two Thursday nights ago. Now, for me, as a proud Aussie, uh, proud Maori Aussie, um, racism is just intolerable. I, I don't tolerate it in my daily life. We certainly don't tolerate it here on Ruin Hammer. And to be honest, we've been uh, really lucky, but we haven't had to deal with anything like that uh, on here from any of our nearly 2,000 followers. So what is wrong with the world when we have to resort to the colour of someone's skin or the nationality they represent in such derogatory, derogatory terms to insult and bring someone down? Uh, I don't understand that level of narrow-mindedness. Uh, what I do understand is the, the cowardice that this is delivered from, uh, you know, behind the safety of anonymity of a keyboard, uh, usually from a profile or account with no identity attached to it, you know, a burner account. Um, I would like to see these people exposed and tougher laws on the on penalties imposed by the perpetrators. Now, in saying that, I don't have the answers uh, to what those penalties are, but surely the time has come for a dialogue to be instigated. Yeah, well said. And you, you nailed it on the head when you said it's just a cowardly act, people hiding behind... Um, a keyboard, keyboard warriors, fake profiles, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So so well said, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to talk about the NZ Grand Final option. So the battle for this year's NRL Grand Final has taken another twist. With the governing body reportedly considering shifting it to New Zealand. Uh, Brisbane and Sydney are in a tug of war over the grand final, which is scheduled to be played in Sunday, October 3. And Melbourne have also entered the conversation with the storm owner, Matt Tripp, um, planning to put in a bid to, for the right to host the showpiece event. And New Zealand are also in the conversation following the Wallabies All Blacks clash being played in front of 47,000 fans at Eden Park in Auckland um, over the, the last fortnight. And so one massive hurdle the NRL would need to overcome is the 14-day quarantine period. Um, given that New Zealand suspended the travel bubble with Australia uh, for eight weeks. However, in positive signs, the Wallabies were granted an exemption from that, uh, meaning that they weren't required to quarantine. So a decision that could help the NRL as they uh, pursued the idea. So an opportunity to play under an exemption in New Zealand in front of a full house is an option if we can't play elsewhere in Australia. So say COVID, um, yes, Queensland is affected by COVID again. Um, and Saturday night's match between the, the Wallabies and the All Blacks means that we have a, a precedent in terms of getting an exemption from the New Zealand government. So that's another 
another thing there. And these exemptions are based on economic impact and the, the grand final would, you'd say, would qualify for that. Um, so NZ Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has come out and said that all NRL players would need to do that 14-day isolation period and therefore it would appear that the idea is probably doomed. Um, but there will be no doubt more discussions around the NRL grand final location over the next few weeks, especially now that the entire state of New South Wales has gone into a hard lockdown with COVID transmissions really not getting any better. And there's unfortunately no end in sight there. So Victoria's in lockdown. Um, Victoria, yeah. And now New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand have picked up their first case yesterday. And uh, from what Mark Roberts was saying, it's up to 10 now. Yeah, 10. New yeah, Zealand. So, fast. mate, uh, the looks like the likely place will probably be Queensland. If, if um, Anna keeps the borders shut up there um, for the next, you know, however long that they need to, uh, to keep the, the virus from getting into uh, Queensland again. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, you guys went into a hard lockdown uh, when you had your first cases a couple of weeks ago and, you know, you're already back out and, or you know, back to relatively normal living to, to an extent, under what normal living conditions are in this day and age with, uh, you know, the worldwide pandemic. Um, New Zealand get one case and they put the whole long country in lockdown. We had we had the cases uh, here. If, it, it's taken them, what, seven weeks before they've really, uh, you know, put a lockdown in place everywhere. You know, they shut down certain suburbs, but people were still going from suburb to suburb and, and no one was policing it. It's, um, yeah, yep. they've done it all wrong down here, all wrong. Um, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, we, we've had, you know, we've been, we were kicking along at 200s. We went up to 300 at one point. Then we were in, you know, mid 400s. And last last night we, we had 633 new cases. So, yeah, um, they're doing it right up there in Queensland. And uh, for me, that would probably be the likely place for um, the NRL grand the, final the to grand be. Final. Yeah. 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 And you'd say so, like, it would be well supported. I mean, there's fans of all teams up here. It's... Is considered rugby league heartland, one of the rugby league heartlands up in you know southeast Queensland. So, regardless, it'll be a full house there as well. The beauty of it is, um, you know, three Queensland teams in the comp, uh, not none of them are going to make the semis, so it's going to be like a neutral ground anyway, isn't it? Um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I know a lot of the Storm it, players yeah. hail from Queensland, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, Titans, Cowboys, and, and Broncos not playing, then yeah, it's like a neutral venue. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll be there to see us win anyway. So, awesome. Don't worry, guys. I'll, I'll, I'll fly the flag. Good, um, mate. I want to move on to an upbeat story. It's not really a. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw in an upbeat one um, to clear my head for my final rant later on. Um, I want to talk about tales from Tiger Town. I don't know if yeah, good. If anyone's yeah. been, but um, what a great documentary this has turned out to be. Uh, like. I'm a, I'm a rugby league fan, a passionate rugby league fan, and I watch every game. Um, but I find it hard to watch kind of these documentary things about teams that I don't have a vested interest in. Um, you know, our 25-year documentary, I watched that. The Titans one I watched only because a couple of people like uh, Ez Clark, Paddy Herbert, um, Sambo Skipper, who, you know, we have, um, you know, some love for was in it. So I kind of watched it with one eye while I was surfing shit on my phone. Um, but the from Tiger Town, I've been really um, 
uh, like drawn into it. I, I think uh, it really peels back that curtain and gives us a, a really detailed look behind the scenes that we as fans don't get to see. And, you know, I've been a little bit lucky this year with, you know, uh, some of the stuff that we've been able to see with the Warriors, but it, it doesn't – what we see doesn't compare to any of this. Um, and it's really made me look at Woogie Maguire in a totally different light uh, watching this doco. He, the perception you get of Woogie is this kind of hard taskmaster, no heart, uh, but it's really shown a different side of him, a really human side. Uh, and for me, he's not that under siege coach that I thought he was. He's a, he's a passionate coach. He has so much belief in his players and, and that squad that he's assembling. And his belief is not just words. You, you can you can see that he feels his emotion, his players, um, how he addresses them before and after games, before and after wins, before and after losses. It's a really great insight because he doesn't sugarcoat anything. I think last week's episode, uh, he had the most number of swear words in a single episode on Australian television. Um in the coach's box, he really rides that wave of emotion. Kind of reminds me a little bit of us as Warriors supporters. That's what um, I was thinking watching that as well. It's like, that's us. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've taken from this personally, though, is is the rise and rise of, of Adam Dewey. Uh, he's always been considered a, a talented player, you know, made his debut at South and kind of floated in and out of that, that side there as a bit of a uh, fill-in uh, during origin and injuries. But uh, he went to the Tigers and, and he's... He's really developed his game um, on the field, but I'm seeing him as a leader of that club. Uh, he's, he's very vocal, and the players seem to really respond to him. Uh, you know, a couple of the behind-the-scenes stuff, he's the more vocal of the, the players, more so than Brooks and and uh, James Tamo, who's, who's their captain. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to see other clubs do similar type of docos. I reckon it'd be a great watch. Uh, and the, the thing that I've taken the most out of this documentary is – Woogie's mantra, where he, he says to those guys, be that guy that other players want to play with. Uh, and that, to me, is uh, one of the the most um, – that's probably one of the best things you can play say about a guy that you played footy with. He was the guy that other players wanted to play with. That's what I took away from it as well. That was the key line for me. And I was like, that's just like great advice for life as well. <laughs> yeah. Be that, be that guy that people want to play with, want to work with, want to be around. You know, um, yeah. I, I've loved it. It's been it's been awesome. I, 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 I tune in every week. Yeah, like you said, um, normally you wouldn't be so invested in another team, but I've just been glued to it. How many more episodes are there going to be? Is that was? was oh, I don't know, mate. Uh, last week was a good watch because that was the the Tigers game that I was at. Um, I was yeah, hoping to see if we could get ourselves on camera, but we couldn't. Um, yeah, it's uh, it'd it'd be really great. I reckon our story of the past two years would have been a great one to do, and if if they're looking at being based in Australia next year, I reckon we should do a documentary style story, or, or someone should do the documentary style story on the Warriors living away from home and and how they go through this. Just, that would be the thing that would really interest a lot of people. I think. Yeah, Mike. Mike Harrison had, did point out that we we did have a documentary in based on the 2018 preseason. Remember, yeah. people might remember there was a, there was a two episode, yep. um, uh, doco that came out with Steve Kearney doing preseason because we'd had that terrible 2017 season and it was some of the players talking about how they were going to turn it around and that that was a good watch. And that gave us yeah. a bit of insight into Kearney. You see, see old uh, Kearney firing up for once. You know? 
Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's they might even still be on YouTube somewhere as well. So we might see if we can track that down for you guys that do want to watch that. Um, moving on, though, I'm going to talk about player sledging. Obviously, this came to the fore a couple of weeks ago with old um, Chambers. But exactly mega where sh- Yeah, mega grub. But exactly where should the line be drawn on player sledging? And should referees exercise common sense and penalise sledging when it crosses the line and it becomes extremely personal? As we said, Will Chambers against the Warriors became extremely personal with his sledges to Sean O'Sullivan and Matt Lodge. And talking about Lodge being in a relationship with O'Sullivan's sister, and he also obviously sprayed uh, Origami Evans relentlessly all game, resulting in Evans losing his cool and notoriously being sin twice. And because of the current rules, those niggly guys who are blessed with the gift of the gab and can do so knowing that they can get away with it over most guys and most players aren't good, aren't as good with the sledging and don't have a comeback. So they lash out at other ways. Um, and I think this needs to be a contrary conduct charge when, you know, when sledging does cross the line and it does become personal. Um, I, I definitely don't want it out, out of the game because there are there are some brilliant sledges in the game and some of them are, are really funny and they don't get too personal and they don't go on any of the taboo areas. And, you know, you hear you hear stories, as we've heard from some of the guys that we've interviewed on the show, yeah. talking about some of the guys that they've played with and against and some of the good lines that they've heard. So, you know, there there is probably a place for it in there. But when you start talking on race, religion... Um, or someone's family, uh, you probably should be allowed to be punched in the face. I, I agree a hundred percent, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up in a in an era playing footy where, you know, um, sledging never got personal because if it did, you could throw a punch and, you know, there was there was fights. But in in the day and age of rugby league now, where we don't have punching, uh, one punch and you're into the bin. Uh, the commercialism of the game, the um, you know the the money that's involved with with teams and the sponsorship and the television and all that stuff that comes into it. Guys aren't willing to um, put their team under pressure and down, uh, and in responding in that way. And you can see in the past when teams have had a, a player down, how much that momentum shifts the game. And and you know you nine out times out of ten you end up losing that game. Mm. It was great to see um, the Cronulla Sharks and in particular Josh Hannay take a stand on just how personal Will Chambers got uh, by saying, uh, you know, he doesn't agree with with that. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about what was said after the game. Now, he did the same thing to Dylan Walker the week before, and you could he, – he, he went on a five-minute tirade against Dylan Walker at Manly, and you can probably um, guess what he was kind of talking about because Dylan Walker has had his problem with domestic violence in the courts. Uh, and then you've got, um, you know, he would have been getting into Sean O'Sullivan about, you know, Matt Lodge, you know, sleeping with his sister, that kind of thing. Would have been derogatory terms in regards to that is what I've been uh, led to believe. And then, you know, the whole uh, fold some cunt uh, that Shane uh, came Origami Evans had on his thing. So um, that wasn't so personal with Evans, but the other stuff that he was getting into with other players was. Mm. And yeah, uh, Mike says, who determines if sledging goes too far? They had uh, Checkin, I think it was, who refereed that game, was mic'd up. And he actually said to, uh, I think it was Braley, 
who was – or someone who was um, – or Aaron Woods it was. He actually said to Aaron Woods for Aaron Woods to pull him into line or he'd have to do something about it because it was getting overboard. He, it was just too much. And even Andrew Fafita came out and chastised um, – uh, changes, changes after the game, yeah. yeah, and and he's probably done himself out of a contract. Uh, yeah, it's, it's at his stupid. Age. Yeah, um, it's excessive and stupid. And like I mean, yeah. uh, some some sledging is funny. You can hear it. Um, you can hear it sometimes when you're at the games, and and there's some really funny stuff that's said. Uh, you know, but um, what he did, it was just yeah, way too far, uh, way too far, and. Um, yeah, it's as, as I said, I don't want to see it gone, but yeah, there's, there's got to be something that comes in uh, in regards to you know where, when you can put a cap on on what's being said to to players. And as Zach just said, yeah, the Sharks players and coaches set a great example on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Imagine MJ. Yeah, MJ was a great sledger, they reckon, in the basketball. Um, yeah, some of the stuff that you've heard, like him having a go at Muggsy Bogues, who was five foot three. <laughs> he used to make up things in his head so that he'd yeah. get it over. Yeah, he was he was That's a weird unreal, competitor. Yeah, yeah. He, he would have been. It would have been amazing, and it would also be terrifying to play with that man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, Zach says the Sharks players and coaches set a great example on this. Yeah, I reckon they did too. Um, you know, there's a time and a place. Uh, and but sometimes things just go too far, and it was great that the, their club acted on that. Um, and again, it's one of those things, you know. Like if you're losing a game, what are you fucking sledging about? You know, like he he did it in two games where they they yeah, lost. He, he was getting stuck into Walker when they were getting pumped, and he was yeah. there in his face. And, and, and after both games, Josh Hannay said he didn't enjoy it. So why would you do it again? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the next thing I'm going to talk about is something that Mark Roberts suggested last week, which was the lone player and lone player criteria. So um, the, the concept of the lone player is something that really only came in because uh, of the uh, reality of the NRL season, season last season during that COVID-affected 2020 season. Uh, we saw the Storm and the Tigers enter like player swap deals with Harry Grant and Paul Mororowski. Uh, <clears throat> and then we saw, um, you know, it was the Warriors who benefited most from the lone player system last season when we got um, the four players uh, loaned to us. And that, that was mainly brought about because our squad was being based in Australia. Uh, we weren't being able to use any lower-grade players outside of the 25-man squad that we had, um, and it became somewhat of a necessity for us to survive the season based on injuries and then a couple of players wanting to return home under the stresses of the COVID pandemic and being away from their uh, partners who are either pregnant, uh, just about to give birth, just had birth, or struggling at home with um, multiple children. Um, so the use of blown players really got us through that mid part of the season. And we said it all last season, those guys, uh, which I think are Warrior, what are they, 2-4-6? Two, four, two, four, Two, four, five, four, six, four, seven, and four, eight. Um, will forever be uh, indebted. Uh, will forever be yeah. indebted to them, and they'll always be a, a crucial part. Whether it be the four games or whatever it was that they'll hear, a crucial always part. Always love those history. guys. Always yep. love those guys. Absolutely. Um, this season, however, because of the the way the season's been panned out and pre-thought in regards to COVID, the lone players. Uh, 
there hasn't been too many loan player agreements. Um, and for the most part of the return of the second tier competitions in both New South Wales and Queensland eliminated that need for loan player agreements. However, <clears throat> with the recent COVID outbreaks halting the second tier competitions in both states and teams being forced back into the bubble, a need for loan players has returned. Um, so we saw the Warriors uh, allowed JTB uh, to spend two weeks at the Dragons as a lone player. And personally, I was against it. Um, mm, and my reasons, my reasons for being against it was uh, the Dragons were in a predicament of having multiple players suspended through their own off-field antics, so their own stupidity. Self-imposed. Fully yeah, self-imposed. Yep. Uh, and they should have been made to deal with what they had um, going on at the time with the players that they had available. Um, and then you see the Bulldogs, a team with no chance of playing finals football, and they've used two lone players to cover the suspension to Dylan Napa and, and um, Wildman Hetherington. And again, it's a disciplined situation brought on by their own players. And for me, it's just taking the piss because the Bulldogs have enough fit players still available to be selected without needing yeah. to use the lone players. They're still, they're still able to name a 21-man squad without those guys, uh, those two players being named. So all, all this has done is it's benefited the Raiders because they've got two like fringe players that aren't getting game time. They're playing a couple of games of footy leading into finals that if they make it, you know, they may be available. Um, yeah, it, it, for me, it's just it's just a real uh, taking of the piss of the whole situation and, and don't agree with it. You know, if you're going through a period like the Roosters have with, with injuries or like we did a couple of weeks ago where we could only name a 20-man squad, by all means, the, the, the loan deal, the NRL should be able to allow for loan deal players. But if you're doing it because you're just um, copying... Uh, like covering the stupidity of players that have, have been suspended for on-field or off-field antics, well, that's another story, and I don't agree with it. Yeah, it almost seemed like the Bulldogs just took two lone players because they could. It was for, like, for yeah. the sake of it. And, yeah, as I said before, if it's self-imposed, particularly with the Dragons, um, you know, no sympathy there. You use, you use what you have. And, yeah, as you said, the Bulldogs, it just... It just made no sense. It was just baffling. No. And, of course, it was against us that they got those lone players. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll move on to the set restart farce. So the set restart. I, I am a fan of the set restart, and I like the ill-disciplined side to interfere in the ruck and take too long to get off the tackle player and don't get back to the 10-metre line. Uh, penalised, I should say penalised in inverted commas, by the way, of a set restart um, to keep the game flowing and it eliminates stoppages, which has been good. And it certainly brought fatigue back into the game, which has resulted in some enterprising attacking play from those teams who, who know how to identify lazy and tired defenders. However, a set restart on tackle one, it doesn't give the attacking team any advantage, in my opinion. And teams know or know this, and on the that's why they you see a lot of set restarts given away on the first tackle, especially if you're like one metre out from your own line. What's the difference, you know? Yep. Um, I would rather see in those instances an actual penalty given on the first tackle rather than rather than that set restart that would give the attacking team an actual advantage and the opportunity to kick for touch and advance upfield. Um, you know, it would, it would certainly detract from players deliberately giving away those set restarts on tackle one strategically, you know, to allow their defence to, to set. 
And the other thing I'd like to see is an advantage rule come into play around the set restart. So if a team is awarded a set restart and then makes an error on that play, they have had they haven't really had any real advantage. So the referee should award a penalty where the set restart occurred, you know, for the team to be given their advantage um, earned through the poor discipline of the opposition. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I agree, hundred percent. I um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a bugbear of mine, um, particularly uh, the the one that second one that you spoke about, where you know we get a set restart and um, we make a pass or something, or we and, and we drop the ball and then it's nullified and it becomes a scrum win to the opposition. Yep. We've had no real advantage there, and they have no they they haven't been penalised for their indiscretion. So. That's where the referees should be using advantage, no advantage play. They do it with knock-ons. So a team knocks on, the other team picks the ball up, and if they don't run 10 metres or they don't pass the ball and they knock on, they get the advantage. It goes back to, you know, the, the original knock-on. I don't see why it can't happen for that set restart. And, yes, there's a lot of smart teams out there. You have a look at these, the top five or six teams, where they give away their set restarts. It's always tackle one, when the opposition oh, are trying to get out of their five, 10 metres yeah. from their own it's line. Exactly. There yeah. so that they, they just lie a little bit too long and it's so they can get, the, get their defences. Um, it's no it's no advantage for the attacking no, team. None at no. all. And, yeah, and, you go back one time. The only, the only disadvantage or, or deterrent would be um, a water penalty, kick for touch. Or in that instance, you, they get the penalty, but they can't kick for touch, but it's, you know, I mean, something something but it's yeah it's um it's i guess they just don't want to add the extra distance upfield anymore from the kick for the line yeah i don't yeah i, I know what you're saying bro but yeah it's mm. just it's one of the most frustrating things about the the rule changes that they brought in where they just tried to paint it all with one brush and say this will do for every situation and it, and it just doesn't work it just doesn't work um mm. the other one that i don't like while we're talking about these rules is when we have the ball, we go upfield, we put in a kick, it goes into touch, the opposition are going to get the ball and then they come out and they stop play and then they call an opposition player out and they say, oh, you're on report for a high shot back up there. Now, ordinarily that high shot would be a penalty where you kick for touch and then you advance downfield, but you, the teams aren't getting that penalty. You know what I mean? Right. Everything's The penalty on the run for, for a high shot, um, you know, what makes – that high shot any different to any other high shot? Uh, so, just my just a couple of bugbears with the rules. Um, but mate, who am I? I'm just a I'm just a crazy bearded man living in a cave inside a <laughs> uh, a state with um, where you don't get to go outside and see the sunshine. So, what do I know? It's just the stuck rambling. with your own thoughts. <laughs> yeah, the rambling thoughts of a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens if they make any amendments to that in the off season. But um, um, Siala and Mark Roberts and Christian, uh, were you happy with the rants of the night? Uh, let us know. Give us some feedback. Of course they were. <laughs> in the meantime, we'll take a look at the team that Brownie has named for our very important. We say this every week, but it's true. Every single game is important. Now uh, against the Broncos. Uh, so we have Reese Walsh at fullback. Dallin Wateni's Lesniak making his return for his 150th game. On the other wing, Hectic Montoya. Hiku and Pompey in the centres. CHT and SOS in the halves. AFB and 
JTB in the front row. Wade Egan named at hooker this week. Uh, UN Aitken again named in the second row with uh, Josh Curran. And Bailey Sirinan comes in at lock. On the bench, we've got Nikarima, Afoa, Katoa, and Jazz. And the extended bench consisting of Ed Cozy, Jackson Frey, Jack Murchie, the merchandise, and Chaddy Townsend. Yeah, and Ciala wants us to mention that Matt Chacken is the referee for this game. And Chicken Legs Chechen is yeah. refereeing. He loves us. Yeah, um, made some good ins. DWZ returns from his one-match suspension, goes onto the wing, which uh, obviously forced young Ed Cozy back to the extended bench. Uh, Bailey Serenan back from injury uh, and named at 13. That shifts Jazz back to the bench uh, to his much-preferred role. Uh, JTB comes into the starting 13, and Jackson uh, Frey is pushed back to the extended bench with the inclusion of Serenan. Uh, and just um, Dallin Wateni Zelesniak playing his milestone 150th NRL game this weekend. So we congratulate him on reaching this milestone. Obviously, he's played the most important games of his career in a Warriors jersey, all five yeah. of them, um, hmm. or four of them. So, yeah, um, going to be an interesting game, mate. The, I think the Warriors will be looking to build on their, their efforts of the past few weeks. Uh, we've been doing a a lot of the little things right the past few weeks and, and we've been building nicely. But uh, in saying that, you know, we're all, we, we've been talking about the, um, the, um, the momentum and the, the patience that we need to be playing with. Yeah, um, that's right. Last week we had some really great shape to our attack and we did two against the Sharks the week before. Um, and we just need to <clears throat> play with that little bit more patience this week. Be prepared to build our pressure. Uh, as I said in our game review, we're, defensively we've been very good. Two holding side scores, particularly in the past three weeks, we've held them scoreless in the past three games that we've won. Um, mm. So you know we're getting that that resilient uh, defensive line back, uh, and I'll be looking for both Sean O'Sullivan and CHD to continue playing their role and not overplaying their hand. Just you know do their job uh, and do their job well. Uh, and like I said, DWZ back at, at, uh, on the wing. Um, will be a massive to getting our sets off to a good start. Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, the Broncos are playing quite well at the moment. They've had a win, a big win against the Cowboys, and they had a, they were very unlucky as we touched on against the Roosters. So we need to be able to match them in the forwards, obviously Payne Haas being their, their enforcer up the middle. And exactly as you said, it needs to be the patience in attack and we can't try and score off every play or fall in the trap of thinking that it's going to be an easy game should we go out like we did last week and get a couple of early tries. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that scrambling defence and the resilience in defence is going to be crucial for what is no doubt going to be another tense finish. Yeah. A um, couple of coming through um so uh Ciala saying was bailey sirenan injured last week i'm i think he was he's been carrying a bit of a niggle um in his shoulder i i, I do see stuff on social media where um he has uh, his arm in a sling on days off so i think he's nursing a shoulder injury through to the end of the season uh and who was the other one uh fabian uh Mauro says boys what are your thoughts on just having one prop on our bench yeah, I've got a funny feeling that um, that maybe either Jazz or Cody might drop off and uh, Jackson Frey may come in uh, after his debut game last week. He's, he mm. proved himself to be a handy addition. I was actually quite surprised um, that 
he's been dropped and and Maney's been brought into the starting side. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, mate. Um, I don't know what uh, Brownie has up his sleeve, but um, the the Flegler and Haas up against Adam Fanua Blake is going to be a real uh, challenging uh, game for for Adam, particularly considering that we haven't got yeah. the um, um, Lodge in the mix for this week as well. I think Lodge playing, and it's a foregone conclusion that we win that forward battle. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> we're going to have to contain Payne Haas, uh, similar to how we contain uh, like Tino and Fafida in round one and, and Tamalolo when we played the Cowboys and, yeah. and things like that. So I think they'll be the the key matchups um, yeah. in, in the game. But yeah. Uh, soccer group watching on YouTube. Hi, soccer group. Thanks for watching. Soccer group. What soccer, soccer group, group are you? Yeah. Yeah, which soccer group are you? We're Ruin Hammer Group. Welcome to our group. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round 22 or well, 23, sorry, I should say. And it's going to start on th- Thursday night. And Sivas Super Stadium. We have the Titans and the Storm. A crucial game for our chances of making the finals. So obviously the Titans being a a key competitor with us. Um, the Titans have named Jaden Campbell back at fullback for the injured AJ Brimson. Jamal Fogarty returns in the halves with Sexy Sexton dropping out of the squad entirely. Um, Sam McIntyre named to replace the injured Mo Fodawaker. Aaron Clark named on the at hooker with Mitch, Mitch Rain back to the extended bench. Um, for the Storm, Ryan Pappenhausen at fullback. Nico Hines shifting to the halves to cover Jerome Hughes after that knock last week. And Harry Grant named it hooker with Bellamy giving Brandon Smith a rest before the finals. Dale Finucane is also being rested after his recent HIA. And Chris Lewis is the man named to replace him at lock. Um, Tepai Moroa, interesting to see him back in the NRL. And um, Cooper Johns are the new names on the bench. Yeah, mate. Uh, also, too, Justin Ollum's being rested. And Marion Save has been named in the centres uh, for this game, too. So, um, you know, the Storm taking the opportunity to rest a couple of players as it, running into the semis. Uh, there was talk that they were going to do that in the last round, which would be the Cronulla game, and they are just going to rest everyone and, and risk losing that game. Uh, I think Pride has them, uh, you know, looking to try and do something this season that no other team has done. Uh, so they'll rest a couple every week. Uh, Storm just in a real purple patch of form. Uh, and although they'll be without Smith and, and Hughes, uh, they're a pain- Replacements in the squad are pretty handy guys in uh, Grant yeah. and Pappen. Uh Holbrook, again, has made a few changes to try and reignite his team. But for me, it's the use of David Feeder, which will be the determining t- factor for the Titans, I think. And again, he's named at 12, but, you know, he's been doing that for the last four weeks. He's named him at 12 and brought him off the bench. If he's starting off the bench again on uh, this weekend, uh, it's game over. Titans have no chance. Um, yeah. For me, anyway, I think the Titans have no chance and I'll be tipping a, a Storm 13-plus victory. In that one. I'll be yeah, I'll be tipping the same and hoping for the same as well. That's my uh yeah. Warriors jersey on, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh Friday night first game of a Suncorp Stadium doubleheader is the uh Raiders against the Sea Eagles. Uh the Raiders, Sebastian Chris returns into the centers to replace Jared Croker, who has not been named to due to HIA protocols. Uh Tom Tar- Tom Starling is also out Stom for the Tarling. remainder of the season with a broken jaw. Uh, CHN took the early guilty plea. He'll miss three weeks 
uh, meaning depending on results, he may not play again this season. And um, CNK, uh, Sean's Nickel Cookster is back on the bench to make his long-awaited return from injury. Uh, for the Sea Eagles, we've got, uh, despite res- reports suggesting a uh, fractured cheekbone, Tommy Turbo has been named to play, uh, but his fitness will be determined later in the week. So for those who have him in Supercoach or Fantasy, uh, I'd keep keep a hold of him at the moment uh, and just watch and see if he gets named. Um, and I would suggest, too, that if he does get named, he, he'll probably only play enough to get the win and then they'll rest him again uh, in the back end of the game. Uh, Moses Suley comes into the centres for the injured Hank Scorpio. Uh, and uh, he wasn't named due to HIO protocols in Ogdenville or Shelbyville or somewhere around there. <laughs> and um, uh, Toffa Four Shipley returns from suspension and he's been named in the 17-man squad. Uh, for me... Tom Starling will be a big loss for the Raiders with his work around the ruck. Mm. Um, CHN He's and Jared. little player. Yeah, mm. CHN. And he, he creates that point of difference because it allows him to come on the field. Hodgson drops back to a middle forward role and it's almost like you've got four halves playing out on the field. Um, yeah, it gives him right. a great point of difference in attack. Um, and then Corey and, and Jared Croker are also big losses for the Raiders to overcome. Uh, mm. It's great to see CNK back, but after a lengthy stint on the sideline, I don't see him playing significant minutes a bit shy of a gallop uh, yeah yeah and manly just strike power right across the park uh foreign and dce have round the clock back as i said before playing just some great footy uh and i see a manly victory i'd say manly one to 12 if turbo doesn't play uh, manly 13 plus if turbo does play i'm expecting a, a bit of a fight from the raiders but i still think that the sea eagles will have a bit too much for them on the night so i'm going to go the one to 12 bracket uh, then we've got the second game. This is the game we were talking about earlier. Second game on Friday night is Panthers versus Rabbitohs. Absolute blockbuster. Panthers, fun time. Zappi returns from suspension for the Panthers. Um, Tavita Pangai Jr. Uh, and JFH, uh, James Fisher-Harris, are out of isolation this week and both have been named to play on the extended bench and I expect both of them to play. Kurt Capewell also returning from suspension and named in the 17. And for the Rabbitohs, Campbell Dexter Graham returns from injury, as too does the leading try scorer Alex Johnston. What a luxury to have him coming back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Braden Burns and Jackson Paulo, the two dropped from the squad who have both been scoring plenty of tries themselves. How may Saleh, the new face in the squad with Jaden Sewer, pushed back to the extended bench? Yeah, uh, looks to be a cracking game of footy, mate, with uh, two of the form teams in the comp going up against each other. Um, you just hope that the game lives up to the hype. I remember, like, you think back to that Parramatta run in uh, 2010 uh, and the Tigers were a top side then and they, they were billing those games as, as big blockbuster games and the Dragons as well, and they all lived up to the hype of the game. Mm. Uh, and similar to the Broncos-Cowboys uh, games of the like through the 2015 era, um, always great games of footy. So I'm hoping this lives up to that hype. Um, the battle in the halves, Cyborg and Luai versus um, Adam Reynolds and Agro Walker, going to be an absolute highlight. Uh, the forward battle looks to be quite even, I think. Um, but the inclusion of TPJ and James Fisher-Harris probably gives the Penrith pack a little bit of an advantage. Uh, and I, th- I think the Rabbits will be out to prove a point with their... Um, with the strike power in their outside backs, especially that left edge. I think they'll be out to prove a point that the competition isn't out of just Melbourne and Penrith. And mm. I know that they dropped both games to Melbourne and Penrith earlier in the season by 50. Uh, I'm actually 
tipping a uh, turnaround, and I think the Rabbits will get the Panthers one to twelve. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Rabbitohs are in a hot run of form at the moment, and yeah, like I'm so excited to watch this game. But I think that the Rabbitohs uh, should be high quality, but the Rabbitohs will get there in a in a real close one. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, the Penrith have got a few players coming back as well, so they may take a while to ease back into that yeah. to you know where they were earlier in the season. Yep. Um, Saturday, first game of Saturday is at Brown Park at Rockhampton. So any Rocky Hampton, uh, Rocky locals, finally get their game. Go and yeah. go out to Rocky. You're gonna you're gonna get a blooder of a game in the Tigers versus Sharks. Um, this <laughs> Sorry, could be Rocky. anything. <laughs> um, Woogie Maguire, he's stuck solid with his back line. Uh, he's had a couple of forced changes in the forward pack due to both Thomas McKayley and uh, Jacob Little copping one match suspensions. Uh, Jake Simpkin named it hooker. And uh, Captain James Tamo returns from injury. Uh, for the Sharks, still no sign of mega grub Will Chambers uh, with Marwin Hawadi named in the centres and uh, big CSC for Talakai uh, moving back to his preferred position uh, as an edge back rower. Teague Wilton has been added to the bench in place of uh, the injured Andrew Fafita. Um, like I said, bludger of a game. I think the Sharks are done and dusted for season two, 2021, to be honest. Um Key injuries to Johnson and Moylan in the halves and, and a forward pack known to be gritty that have lost their edge this season. Um, I think the Tigers will be desperate to be uh, remaining in the hunt for a top eight finish. I think Woogie will have them primed for this one. And I think they'll have just a little bit too much for the for the Sharks. And I'm going to tip the Tigers in a really close one. Yeah, it's I didn't really know which way to go here. Look, look I'll, I'll, I'll go for the Sharks by two. I think, yeah, it's it's it could go either way. This one, sorry, Carl, but um, yeah, uh, Seabus Super Stadium, Bulldogs versus the Knights. Bulldogs, Corey Allen returning from injury onto the wing for Falakai Manu. Uh, the Scarecrow, Kyle Flanagan, continues his epic game of hide and seek with the fans, named to start in the halves, pushing young Bailey Biondiodo back to the bench. Jeremy Marshall King has been ruled out for the rest of the season's re-injury um, with Jackson Topani named hooker. And it looks as though uh, Sione Katoa's poor discipline against the Warriors has forced Trent Barrett to drop him completely from that 21-man squad. Not surprising there. Yeah. The Knights, uh, Daniel Saifidi has been ruled out through injury with David Clemmer named to start in the front row. Uh, Tyson Frizzell took the early plea and he will miss this game due to suspension and Brody Nonak Jones have been named in the back row there. Yeah, um, been a long season for the Bulldogs, hasn't it? And I can't, I can't yeah. see the next four weeks getting any better for them. Uh, yeah, Kyle Finnegan, that's an epic game of hide and seek. He's been playing this year. Um, Finding one, he's like a tampon, isn't he? He's uh, in for a week and out for out for three. <laughs> tampon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wow, he could have a, a name change. Um, the Knights with their spine of Ponga, Clifford, Pierce, and Braley, I think they'll just put the screws on the dogs uh, and they'll cement that top eight spot. Uh, and I think they'll do it easily. I think they'll get up by 13 plus. By rights, they should absolutely pump them. But there's a part of me, it's like, come on, Bulldogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next game is uh, the Eels versus the Cowboys at um, uh, Seabus Super Stadium. 
For the Eels, uh, Tom Opacic and Blake Ferguson look alike. Michael Wellfield have paid the price for that disastrous effort last week. They've both been dropped. Uh, Will Penasini and Hayes Dunster are the new men named in the back line. Uh, Ryan Madison took the guilty, uh, the early guilty plea for that hit on uh, who did he knock out? Oh, the Hank Scorpio, yeah. and he'll sit out the Eels next three games, so he won't play again until semi-finals. Murata um, Nikore named to replace him on the edge, with Oregon Kafusi named on the bench, and uh, Makahesi Makatoa retained his spot on the bench. Uh, he had a great debut game, that that guy. On he was the only forward mm. to run over 100 meters. Uh, watching the game, he looked like Dylan Brown's dad because they had the same hair color and hairstyle. <laughs> Um, but he, yeah, he had a really, really good game. I was really impressed with him. And I'm, I'm, he's, he's an older guy. I think he's 26 or 27. Yeah, so yeah, he is. Yeah, he's yeah. in that Cody Walker vein of making his debut su- such a late in his career. But um, late bloomer, yeah, yeah, had a great, had a really good work. I think I was really impressed with him. Um, for the Cowboys, Toddy Payton has stuck solid with his misfit backline uh, with both Dejan Arzi and. Jake Granville, uh, that hard-running centre retained in the centres. He's a centre um, now. From the full back to the centre, back to yeah. the hooker, back to... Yeah. Um, both Lockie Burr and, and Murray Tuolungi not named due to their complications with their HIA recoveries. And uh, Jason Tamalolo uh, has been named on the extended bench. Uh, for me, I expect the Eels uh, to come out with a point to prove after that dismal display against Manly and the one the week before as well uh, against the Roosters. Uh, Mitch Moses, he really needs to step his game up for the Eels to find some form or uh, he'll find himself sitting on the bench and Daddy's boy might get back in there. Um, the Cowboys' halves will, will be creative, but they just don't have that personnel to go with them. Uh, I, I've been really impressed with how Dearden and, and Drinkwater have performed, but uh, apart from Val Holmes, they've, they've really got no strike power in that side. Uh, so I'm tipping in the Eels' win, but I don't think it'll be an easy win. Uh, I don't I'll get them by 13-plus. So the Eels are down on, on confidence at the moment, and I think it'll be a tough 1-12 to 12 win. Yeah, I'm expecting a very ugly, uninspiring, scrappy win by the Eels, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, it's their, their form slide must be a huge concern for, um, yeah. for Daddy. Yeah, Daddy won't be happy. No, Daddy will not be happy. And Sunday, we're going up to Toowoomba. Live Berghoffer Stadium up there in Toowoomba. And the Dragons versus the Roosters. The Dragons, sanity has finally prevailed. You'll be happy about this. Hook Griffin um, has reinstated the Duff, the Duff man, Matt Duffy. Duff man returns to the side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, returning from the wilderness at fullback, which moves Jack Bird back to the centres and rookie sensation Talatau Amone named at six with Corey New. Corey Norman moving to the halfback, but I would have moved him to left right out, actually, yeah. to be honest. Good times. Um, yeah, good times, Norman. Yeah. Uh, Josh McGuire, a, supi- a surprise selection at nine to replace the injured Andrew McCulloch. I know he has played a little bit at nine before. Um, and Tarek Sims returning from suspension for the Roosters. Jared Waria Hargraves returns uh, after being rested last weekend. His return moves Isaac Liu back to lock to cover the suspended Victor Radley. Nat Butcher retains his spot in the second row for the suspended Lord Farquhar. Mate, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm happy that Hook Griffin has named Matt Dufty, not because I'm a Duffman fan, but when, oh, you've yeah. got someone, when you've got someone like Dufty who can create stuff for the Dragons and you're playing uh, guys like Cody Ramsey and um, 
like Jack Bird in the fullback role, I think you kind of lost your marbles a little bit. I, I, I actually think he's he's maybe taken a leave of absence and old man Elliot's picking the squad lately. <laughs> um, and he's gone around. He's and got he, his PowerPoint presentation out. And, yeah. He watched a video of Josh McGuire at the Broncos in his younger days and thought, oh, yeah, he could play hooker. We'll throw him there. Um, <laughs> Moose hasn't played in the hooking role for quite a while. And I don't know how his back's going to go getting down and bending over and picking up those balls. Um, Probably about as good as old man Elliot's. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, Hook Griffin has seen the light. He's got uh, selection for Dufty at, at fullback. Um, the Roosters with both uh, Taukiaho and uh, Wera Hargraves firing up front will just lay a platform for the Roosters. Uh, backs to run right. I'm expecting a big game from Tedesco, another big game from Joey Manu, the, that man of the moment who every NRL club and rugby union franchise seems to be chasing yeah. at the moment. Uh, and I would say a 13-plus win for the Roosters. Yeah, Roosters by plenty. Yep. And the last game, uh, which is a rarity, uh, Channel 9 game. Um, Whoa. Dulcet tones of Ray Warren. Uh, the bright lights of Channel 9. Yeah. Uh, maybe Peter Sterling in one of his last commentary gigs before he yeah. hangs up the mic at the end of the year. And uh, what a servant of the game he's been. Yeah, great um, commentator. One of my favourites. Yeah. Um, Broncos. Uh, versus Warriors. Broncos, Tyson Gamble, he's been suspended for one game, which has forced a change in the halves with uh, the MILF. Stifler's mum coming in. Yeah, and, <laughs> and named at six. And Albert Kelly named at seven, even though he did cop that hit from Victor Radley. So I think he's going to be a touch and go at this stage. Mm. Uh, Herbie Farmworth returns from injury uh, and into the centres with David Mead dropping back to the interchange bench. And Ethan Bullimore comes into the squad with young uh, Xavier Willison uh, out with a torn ACL. Uh, as we said for the Warriors, DWZ returns from a one-match ban and will play his 150th. Uh, Jermaine Tanoa Brown named in the front row with last week's debutant Jackson Fry named on the extended bench. And Bailey Sirenin returns from injury with Jazz dropping back to the bench. Um, we've spoken about where we think this game's going to be won and lost. Uh, I'm just going to say Warriors 13+. plus. I'm going to say Warriors in a very nervous four to six point victory. I think you say that every week. I say that every week because it's just what I can feel. I can feel it in the air tonight. You know, yeah. It's just every game. I'm just just can't go in yep. confident. But I. But look, we're coming in three straight wins, so yes. um, we got form on the board. All right, guys. So tickets and bays for upcoming games. So crowds are allowed back at fifty percent capacity, which I think may increase due to the easing restrictions on Friday that have been fast-tracked to Friday. Uh, we will be There will be no watch party this Sunday, but we'll resume our watch parties for the, the week after against the Raiders and Mackay yep. on that Friday night. We will go um, live, and, though, because um, you're going to be at a, at a Warriors yeah. function. Yeah, go on. I'll be going along to the uh, Lord Alfred Hotel. Uh, that's at 2 p.m. For any of you guys who are in southeast Queensland watching, make sure you get along to that. The Lord Alfred Hotel, the same place where we had the pre-match function for Magic Round. So get along there and uh, have a chat and a mingle with your fellow Warriors supporters from this this neck of the woods, southeast Queensland. We're always well supported up here, and it's always a great event. So, yeah, make sure you get along there. I'll definitely be there, and I'll be going live, and Hammer will be jumping in, and we'll be – Having a bit of a chat. Yep. Um, just just going back to those live watches, if you are interested at all uh, in being a part of that, send us a message and we'll try to organise something for the last, uh, probably for the Raiders game. We may not do one for the for the. Oh, I think, I'll, I think I'll do one for the Titans game as the last game of the season. Yeah. Yep. 
I'll be uh, at that game as well. So, yeah. yeah, so we've got, obviously, this week. I would have been, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Something's happening. I can't remember. I can't quite put my finger on what's I going on. can't put my finger on. There's something going on. But, yeah. Something happening. <laughs> something happening. Uh, yeah, so round 23, Suncorp Stadium this Sunday versus the Broncos. As I said, I'll be at that game. Um, if you see me there, come and say hi. Or as, as usual, I'll have plenty of posters to give out. Um, round 24 versus the Raiders. That game is going to be played up in Mackay, um, far north Queensland. So uh, that's the 6 o'clock game the following week. And as we said, we'll be yep. doing a watch party for that one. And then the final round of the season, hopefully not our final game, but the final round of the season, round 25 at Shibash, Shibash Stadium in the Gold Coast. Um, again, I'll be, at, I'll be at this match and um, not sure if there's anything happening beforehand, but if there is, we'll, we'll keep you posted. Um, we've got some up, some great chats coming up with some live guests. We've got Georgia Hale and Karina Brown, the superstars of the NRLW, coming in to have a chat about the upcoming NRLW season that will be going ahead at the end of the NRL season. And we have Brent Tate, BMM, uh, Jerry C.U.C.U., PJ Marsh, the great Mark Graham, who you may remember coached us for a couple of seasons, um, media personality Andy Raymond, and uh, part of what's going to become our legend series, big Paul Sirenin, big Ciro coming on for a chat. And he does have a Warriors connection, obviously, with Bailey uh as part of the Warriors these days, yeah, mate. Yeah, we've um again, it's we're very fortunate uh, that you know these people uh, continually agree to to mm. come on, and we haven't got dates locked in for any of them at this stage in t- uh, point in time. We're just we'll keep you posted. Through, on, yeah, we're going to get these, things through these next next three weeks of um of uh, just a weekly show, and then um, probably in and around finals time, and then leading into the women's comp, and then the weeks after the women's comp running through into, you know, November and December, uh, early December, we'll continue the game uh, running. So uh, the show, so, uh, that's when we're looking to bring these people in. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and people are asking Patreon. Yep. Uh, as we announced last week, we are now on the Patreon platform, uh, which is just a, a basic uh, a membership platform that enables people to show their support of us and our content by signing up for a monthly description. Um, it's a platform where we set up different tier levels of subscriptions that suit uh, various people's budgets. And each tier level has its own rewards and benefits, including exclusive patron-only merchandise that will be uh, definitely available soon. Um, we actually got a meeting about all that tomorrow. We certainly um, do. There's some very exciting things coming. So keep an eye on these Patreon packages because we'll be updating them um, throughout the next few weeks. Absolutely. Uh, you can head to our Patreon page to show your support. And subscribe to uh, our bronze tier patron that is available now. Now, the bronze tier patron is set at the lowest amount possible. Uh, it's just three dollars a month, which is less than a cup of coffee. Um, so, and, and that money just goes towards you know helping out cover uh, the various uh, costs that we have associated with um, bringing this show every week. Um, and we do want to thank uh, those who have already subscribed to our Patreon program uh, so far. Uh, we have um, six, seven, seven Patreon, seven. Uh, bronze tier Patreons, uh, patrons, and they are um, Daniel Delore, uh, Peregrine Falconer, Sean Kurzweil, uh, the Kirch, Nick McKercher, Mary Carter, Fabian Moiroa, and uh, Siala Afar Masaga. So um, thank you very much to those people. Uh, we you appreciate so your support. 
And um, again, like I said, uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, coming to the Patreon platform uh, in terms of uh, <coughs> exclusive merch and stuff like that. This is merch that you're not going to be able to buy. Uh, it'll purely be for the Patreon subscribers. We will have 100% a range of- 100% exclusive for Patreon yep. subscribers. Some of these items are merchandise, but we will have other merchandise being released soon. Very soon. So yep. keep, post, keep your eyes posted on the page and we'll be promoting that. So yeah, we've got some exciting things coming up there. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, don't don't forget, if you miss any of our live shows, um, you can catch up on our Facebook page by going to our video section and you can go to YouTube channel as well to catch up there. Don't forget to hit a subscribe on our YouTube channel and you'll never miss any of our streamed content and anything else that we post on there. If you're a podcast fan, uh, then you can catch all our episodes on podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Radio Direct, and iHeartRadio. And make sure you subscribe to us there as well. We upload our episodes so they are ready to listen to every Thursday morning. And uh, please head to our Ruin Hammer Instagram where we will upload content uh, daily and keep our followers informed of any upcoming events. Uh, Stevie Williams says, I'm signing up because I want some merchandise. What level do I need to? need to?" Well, mate, that's going to depend. There's going to be, when we set up, we've got the bronze level set up now. We're going to have a silver, gold, and a platinum level, uh, all with varying um, uh, items of merchandise and um, exclusive content that only the patrons, Patreon patrons will get, uh, which could uh, be, um, you know, uh, tickets to a game uh, to be our guests at a, at a live game of footy. Uh, it could be shout-out videos on your birthday from, uh, you know, your favourite Warriors player. Uh, you know, a, obviously a, a merchandise item uh, of some description. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, just Im- invitations to attend different Ruin Hammer stuff that we, we have going on. And then, obviously, we'll add stuff to those uh, Patri- Patreon tiers as we grow and develop and, and you know, get... Uh, more things happening on board. So. That's right. And, and I believe that if you've signed up already to the bronze and you do wish to, you know, upgrade should another package become available, and I believe you can just upgrade to that Absolutely. as well. Yep. So, so yeah, if there is something that you would like that you're interested in merchandise or moving up a different tier, that, that that's surely not a problem. So, yep. yeah, yep. but as we said, um, keep, keep a lookout and we'll be launching those packages as soon as they're available and also the merchandise options that we will have. Yep, absolutely. And um, make sure you get along on the Instagram page. Follow us on Instagram because that's where I put um, most all the content goes. It does link to Facebook, but you get a lot more on Instagram. Um, so follow us on there. You'll see uh, today we've uploaded a whole heap of um, appreciation posts in honour of... Uh, Women in league round to our uh, Wahini Tala um, players from last season and uh, previous seasons before that. Uh, and we also released our first range of um, uh, nickname posts um, for a couple of the Warriors boys. So we've got Origami Evans up there. We've got uh, the Chosen One, Reese Walsh, uh, Hectic Montoya. Uh, we've got the BMF, the Bad Motherfucker. Merchandise. Uh, and the merchandise for, for Jack Murchie. So there'll be more coming up. Uh, and we've also released some from the uh, the nicknames that we've created for the um, for the other NRL players in other NRL teams. So uh, that's just a little bit of fun. But, again, you, you, all our content's loaded up there. Um, 
uh, our live, uh, not our live, our um, our stories uh, loaded up there, and uh, all information relating to Ruin Hammer, uh, upcoming shows, and and so forth. Um, everything's on there. Well, there we have it. Everything in a nutshell. Yes. Wrapped up in a neat little package. Yeah. Another yeah, good show, well, mate. Absolutely. Always a, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for all you guys were watching on Facebook and on YouTube as well. We appreciate all yep. your support as always. Yeah, thanks and... for your comments and, and um, taking part in the discussion during the show. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, and again, as, as Rob said, you know, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following us and supporting us. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I'll see some of you guys on Sunday. Otherwise, go the Warriors. Go the Warriors. Yeah.